Yo, Jimmy, man, give me the status. Tell me we good. Beautiful. It's gonna be an all time of the night. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, fire em up. This is it. This is the season finale of season one of the Movie Blues Podcast. Yeah. I am Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. And we did it. Twelve full episodes of the Movie Blues Podcast. That's a season. That is a season. I was shooting for 13, but I, I'm okay with coming in a little early. Um, you know, quality over quantity. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before. Um, today, we're going to do some fun stuff. Um, we are going to do basically a massive Dan's Have Never Seen uh, for the end of the season here. I know uh, Dan Enden has seen the two movies that we are about to watch. Um, I have never seen either of these movies. Um, they're actually movies that I have been actively avoiding, like the plague. You've been avoiding. I've them. been avoiding, like yeah, on my computer. When you do it on the internet, they get it gets sent to me and I delete it. I'm yeah. like, no, I don't. You want have this. a spam filter. So. Um, I've been avoiding this for as long as humanly <laughs> possible, and um, I think uh, I'm at the point where I've seen every other franchise known to man. Um, I own pretty much every shitty franchise ever created. Uh, I don't know how I haven't seen this movie. Um, but uh, today, uh, our exploration will be focused on the Fast and Furious films. Uh, Woo! Most notably, number one, which is called The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And number two, which is called Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. Um, before we get into all that, though, uh, I just want to do a little wrap-up, uh, not only of our season, but uh, maybe if we want to talk a little bit about anything new that we've been watching or experiencing out there. Um to a brief degree. Um, let's get into that. I guess uh, you look like you're paging through your notes, so I'll lead off with just a couple things real quick. I'm good. I just want to start with my favorite uh, movies kind of of the year. I know I didn't okay. prep you or anything, and and I don't want anybody taking some chronological fucking pen to my world and saying, you know, it came out in the latter part of 2017. Like, these are the movies that, you know, kind of feels like the past year happened, yeah. and these are the ones that I like the most. That would count as part of an Oscar cycle. Exactly. So, uh, this morning, uh, one thing that I have not watched that I absolutely am going to assume is going to make this list is the Breaking Bad movie, right. which just came out on Netflix. I'm not going to go too uh, far on that because, again, I haven't watched it. So I can't really factor that into this, but so far for me... But for sure that was number one. For sure that it might be number one. It was better than The Last Jedi. Uh, that My fucking stinky feet are better than The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, so uh, for me... Uh, the movies has been um, mostly a, a, a hit or miss experience this year. Even with the streaming stuff, um, not everything has been perfect uh, or as I expected. But uh, the favorite experiences for me for the year are obviously Joker, um, which I would shoot almost to a perfect score. I gave that a 9.75 on my blog. Um, I haven't wavered on that. I still feel the same way about it. Um, and uh, uh, other than that... Um, I think the best movie that I really saw all year, the one that had the greatest impact on me, uh, is a film called Parasite. Um, this is from the director of Snowpiercer, 
which is one of the finest action sci-fi movies ever made. Um, uh, that's a Korean film, uh, but it's starring Chris Evans, who's Captain America these days. Um, but uh, have you seen that movie, Snowpiercer? No. Um, it's about the the whole of humanity having to live on one train that circles the polar frozen Earth after a cataclysm of some kind. Um, and basically the back of the train are the lower class people, the poor people. And as you work your way closer to the front of the train, richer, more security, more privilege, things like that. So it's kind of like a... Um, 1984 on a train meets like old boy. Meet, I mean, it's got all this crazy kung fu in it. Um, nice. That movie is incredible. That, that is sounds awesome. Absolute 10 out of 10 experience. That movie. Where, this where movie, does one watch that? Movie? Um, it's actually they're actually turning it into a TV show um, that actually also looks really good. Um, but as for Snowpiercer, I think on Amazon Video you could probably watch it. Uh, it's also starring Ed Harris, uh, who I think is a fantastic actor. Ed Harris, you might know or remember from The Truman Show, wearing a very interesting hat. The smartest beret ever <laughs> portrayed. And not only that, but I want to say outright that he was pulling a Samuel L. Jackson before Samuel right. L. Because he had the right. motherfucker on backwards. backwards. Yeah. And that's like, he's the only white person, I guarantee you, in history of the movies, who has worn a backwards tangle that yeah. made it look fucking good. Right. Um, and that's a huge feat. Yeah, and I remember I tried to wear a hat like that and could not pull it off at all. Um, and, and that was just last week. <laughs> Is that true? That's <laughs> no. a true story. <laughs> no. um, so, uh, yeah, Snowpiercer is a 10, um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Parasite, his newest film, um, which is about a family. Again, this is Korean with subtitles. Um, and uh, it's a family who's very lower class kind of like servants basically uh, who've had a really tough life and they find their way into a basically a million slash billionaire's house um, and they infiltrate his house as workers one at a time and it's about their slow takeover of his property which ends up in uh, it's one of those films where it, it, the whole film kind of like Joker leads to a cavalcade of violence this movie Parasite is two hours leading up to in an unbelievably violent series of events, and it is, I mean, just nice. a truly fantastic movie. I want to movie. watch that, too. Um, uh, as for TV, Righteous Gemstones is still probably one of the best shows on Righteous TV. Righteous Gemstones has managed to just keep getting better. Yeah, it's incredible. The first episode? The first episode is fantastic, though. It's one of the best pilots I've seen in years. Yeah. I love the setup of the first episode. I, I loved the first episode, but I thought it was a little slow, whereas... Yeah. Second episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is like yeah. that eastbound and down pacing of the amount, right. just the sheer volume of jokes and jokes that aren't even jokes. It's just Danny McBride being a fucking asshole, like yeah. I mean, just and hilariously." And then by the third episode, I was I was like, "I'm fucking so in." It's and Danny hilarious. McBride is really showing himself as such a good writer and such a good dramatic actor. Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a controversial movie, but he when he was in Alien Covenant um, a couple years ago. <laughs> I think that was the beginning of him kind of like shaking off this ridiculous shell that people had put around him is just, he's just Kenny Powers. Yeah. Um, whereas you see an actor like Will Ferrell who like can't really pull off the dramatic thing. He tries every once in a while. I think Sometimes Stranger it works. Than Fiction was incredible. Stranger Than Fiction is incredible. That's a, that's a 10 out of 10 right um, there. But Dustin but, Hoffman is uh, delightful in that. I want to say that um, uh, Danny McBride has a shot to do some really interesting stuff in his career. And I just love The Righteous Gemstones. Fantastic. Yeah. You're just going to skate past Stranger Than 
Than Fiction. I do love Stranger Than right, Fiction. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I think we should take a moment to just point out how good of a movie. Ten out of ten. All right, good. Now go on. Read all about it. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Um, Maggie and... Gyllenhaal sells bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how could you say no? Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's like pretty much it. Uh, maybe I'll think of something else as you go along. What What would you say your best of the year has been? Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I mean, you, you caught me a little off guard for that's this, fair. but. What's, so, like, the best so, fucking movie you've watched in a long so time? So, realistically, the only movies I've seen in the theater this year mm. were Godzilla for this podcast. Yeah, again, I haven't seen any of the movies I just talked about in theater. Okay. So. Eight and a half. Okay. <laughs> which The brand new 2019 yeah. picture, Eight and a Half. Yeah, which, you know, that was definitely the best movie I saw in theaters this I year. I would guarantee that that is true. Uh, Crawl. <laughs> Christ. Um, um, okay. Yeah, so, I, I don't... I don't know if I saw any movies that came out this year. Mm -hmm. Has, have we talked about it? I've anything? seen a ton. I mean, I don't really bring them into this podcast because we're usually focusing on, like, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor right. and, like, terrible movies. Oh, we, and... I saw the Pokemon movie. Yeah, no, I didn't watch any. So you're saying oh, every, everything you've seen is just for this so, podcast. So, like, there's that tier, that general tier, and then, like, obviously, like, it doesn't need to be said that, like, Book of Henry was I, the top well, of the list. I I knew that that was going to be your answer, but I do also want to ask you, let's morph, since you don't really have anything too concrete, let's morph into the next natural question, which is, what was your favorite and least favorite movies that you have watched over season one of the movie Blues podcast? Which movie had you had to suffer through and was the worst? And which is your favorite walking away? Obviously, the answer is Book of Henry. So for you, <laughs> what is the worst movie? No. All right. I actually do want to answer that seriously okay um but i did want to mention that far and away the best piece of media that i consumed this year was haunting of hill house like right. i think that was a technical last year but yeah i mean yes wasn't that end of last year though? the last quarter of last year i yeah. just did to you what i said i no one would do to me yeah exactly um, that's because i'm a fucking hypocrite piece of shit um yeah dude like agreed. i, I mean, like agreed. i could frame it all as i didn't i haven't watched any movie in the last year that gave me the experience that i got from watching haunting on hill house Agreed. That show was so, like, just goddamn perfect. Yes. Like, all right. So it's perfection, and yeah. not only that, but um. And gemstones as well. Is yeah, gemstones as well is is. And I want to again shout out to Euphoria, probably my favorite TV show of the year, which I mentioned a thousand yeah. times on this podcast. Right. And uh, currently, I'm watching Marianne, which is okay. um this French horror. Netflix thing. Everybody said it's scarier than yeah. Hill House. We're, no, yeah, first of all, we were, no, we're about to start it because someone um, told us the same thing. Just imagine it's very pulpy. It's very Stephen Kingy, where it's about a horror writer going to go investigate horrible things. It's it's got it's bereft of any new ideas. Right. It's just if you want to see a good serial week by week, very scary television show that isn't gonna like Hill House is an effort. When you watch that show, it changes you. Yeah. This is like just horror. This is kind of like The Conjuring, where it's like, there's like a spooky witch, and, and it is very good. If you're looking for horror and you're looking for something good, watch it. It does have this European sense of humor that I don't really appreciate, okay. where sometimes when you watch a foreign film, you the dialogue is like, everyone's laughing, but you're not in on the joke. You're like, the quirkiness of certain European productions are, and this is just one of them, where like, the transitions between every scene are pages flipping. Yeah. So in between every scene, there's a, a white cut of... Yeah, of pages yeah. flipping and it was like okay the first time and now it's at the point where like <laughs> a, like a you know someone gets brutally murdered or someone walks out of the forest totally naked covered in blood and then it's 
Yeah. It's like totally inappropriate. Like yeah. it is totally inappropriate editing. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is a good show. So I, I'd recommend anybody who's kind of got nothing going on on the plate uh, to check that out. Yeah, we're going to watch that. Um, that dude, that one episode of Hill House with the tracking shot, you know, like when yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the last time I saw something that's so instantly, I was like, that is in hands down in the top, like three best of that that I've ever seen in my life. Well, I was thinking that, um, some, an interesting experiment maybe for you and I to explore is that there's a movie coming out in a couple months called 1917. Okay. Um, this is kind of piggybacking on the fact that we started this podcast after seeing Dunkirk, which was Christopher Nolan's war epic that both of us hated. Yeah, um, horrible. This is a new war epic from a amazing director who did like Skyfall and things like that, Sam Mendes. Um, and it's a World War One movie. Sam Mendes. That takes place... Yeah. I know that he did. Uh, he did something much better than Skyfall. Yeah. Not American Beauty. I don't know. Anyway. Keep talking. I... Um, uh, uh, he has made this movie. It's a World War One epic, and it is one tracking shot. Entire movie, one tracking shot. So I think that appeals to you and I, because uh, we are big tracking shot fans. American um, Beauty. American Beauty, yeah, yeah. Sam Mendes. Um, so this is one of the first movies I've ever heard of where they're attempting, you know, obviously stitched together through CGI, right. but they're attempting to do it as... Um, That's insane. Yeah. Uh, moving back onto the topic of uh, this first season as a whole for the Movie Blues podcast, I wanted to talk about our favorite and least favorite movies that we've watched so far. Um, what was? I'm doing kind of a. You're duel. doing what your favorite episode was? I'm doing or kind of movie? both. I'm doing what my favorite episode was, what my favorite movie. Oh, was. I can't wait to answer all these questions. Um, <laughs> so I'd say my favorite episode, probably yeah, probably Book of Henry or. Um, I did really enjoy the Godzilla one and also uh, Detective Pikachu I really enjoyed, but probably Book of Henry. Um, and then for just in, sh- in terms of sheer organization and effort, I would say The Last Dinosaur yeah. was our, our crowning achievement. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, what do you think? Okay, so I don't actually like love the Book of Henry the way you seem to think I do. Ah. I just, I really like watching, like... The, I, I'm insert clip of you saying for the first time, I loved this yeah, movie. I, oh, okay. I, I, I did really enjoy it, but I did addendum my score the following week, and I just like watching your eye twitch every time I say something positive mm-hmm. about it. Yes. Um, if I'm being genuine, my favorite movie that, I, that we watched for the podcast is probably Child's Play, followed by Godzilla, King of the Monsters, purely... Because the 40x thing was fun, I hated the. It was movie, a great experience, but I enjoyed. I don't know if that counts then, but and, um, but the experience was fantastic. Like I ended up, like I watched it for because it came up on the podcast, but we didn't review it, right? But, but it, it was definitely the okay. So that's my favorite movie I saw this year. Yeah, okay. And you know what's funny is this whole time I've been thinking of what I was forgetting, and it's it it part two I wanted to mention. Oh yeah, um, on this podcast as well, which we may do an episode on depending on when it when uh, Dan finishes the book hopefully we can do an episode on it part two and Dr. Sleep the sequel to The Shining yeah, kind of simultaneously the by the time that we I would hope so season. sometime in the next couple months yeah um, but uh yeah, for me, I really loved It part two and I really don't know if you're going to and I really don't know it's one of those movies that slammed straight into the guilty pleasure catalog for me the se- like literally 20 minutes. You gave it such a high review on your blog. I loved it. Absolutely okay. loved it. But again, you should know uh, from this podcast by now that I'll give something a high review, even if I know it's a bad movie, if I loved it. There are movies that, again, Crank 2. 
that's a 10 out of 10. But is that a 10 out of 10 motion picture in the history of cinema? No, but that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast has clearly become about um, two things. Things that we love and then things that we get the blues about and want to bitch about and want to trash on. Um, More the second category. And the symbiosis of it, when we really hit peak, is when we both feel the exact opposite. Yes, that's the, you know, if only we could plan ahead of time for, (laughs) if only I could ensure that I'm going to love something and Dan is going to hate it. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, it's been a, it's been a magical journey. I've learned a lot about um, just terrible movies that um, really a a movie like James Bond or a movie like today, the two Fast and Furious movies, there is no force of nature on, on wind, land or sea that would get me to watch those movies. Yeah. Um, And we did it in this podcast and I got enjoyment out of everything I just mentioned. Um, Starting with James Bond. I mean, James Bond is a series that I loathe. I really don't like any of them. I like one or two of them at the most. Um, And uh, I'm just getting appreciation at all the little things. Um, I do in my free time watch great movies. I know you in your free time, obviously we've talked about the Criterion app and things like that. You you also are a fan of I wasn't counting any of that shit when I was thinking my favorite movie I I watched this year. I would not count that. Because none of the movies I watched on the Criterion app came out this year. I would not uh, go by that either, but I will say that... um, uh, you know, we do watch good things in our free time. We don't always bring it to here. Maybe next season we'll bring some in, but I highly doubt it. Uh, I, I'm having I a good thinking, time with our current format. I was, like, going back over how, just in my mind, like, when I was starting to watch Fast and the Fu- Too Fast, Too Furious yesterday, I was thinking, man, when, like, when this started, no part of me thought that each week... I was going to be having a cloud hanging over me the entire week dreading <laughs> watching the movie that we end up on. I thought it would be like a thing that we it's were going to so watch. It's so funny that you feel that way because it, it, I I feel very opposite to that. I have like severe ADD. Yeah, like, me too. Like the thought, like me sitting down to watch a movie. Same. Like I can't sit down. It if I have an incredible movie on my hard drive, right? Let's say a new movie comes out that I've been waiting for. I'll put it on my hard drive and literally I can't even bring myself to press play. My ADD is so bad when I'm especially by myself. Yeah. The thing that keeps me in it with the, with the movie blues movies is that I'm taking notes. And for some reason, that is a creative activity to me. So the fact that my brain is running while I'm doing it, I don't mind. I actually really enjoy it. Like when I sit and take notes for the movies that we're watching, if I was not taking notes, because here's the thing that we're taking out of this that's that's interesting. When another schlub sits down and watches Too Fast, Too Furious, right. they're just watching they're the just movie. They're just watching it for leisure. They will get nothing out of it. <laughs> they will present nothing to their friends. They'll have nothing to say about yeah. it. They're most likely, yeah. if it's Too Fast, Too Furious, very alone in their yeah. life. They have nothing going for them in their future. Um, and, and uh, you know, for them, it's a sour experience. And in a way, we're doing a community service. Because whichever idiot who's listening to this podcast right now who's actually watched this movie on their own volition by themselves in their true free time, not when it came out, not when it hit DVD, but I mean like in the past couple years is like, yeah, I'm going to watch Too Fast, Too Furious. That person has a podcast yeah, to listen to fucked. now. No, no, well that, well, that is, yeah, well, we, we determined that first, but that person now has something to listen to and say, hey, look, I'm not the only person who furiously masturbated <laughs> to Eva Mendez in this movie. There's another guy who's done it. So um, I, I, I like what we're doing. I like watching the bad movies. You seem not so much like you like it. Like when I contact you through, through the week, it's usually one word answers. And it's usually like, yeah okay like i can hear your you know how they, they can say you can't hear messages but like i can hear you loud and clear i'll be like yeah and then i was thinking of this topic and this idea i really think we could circle around to blow and you're like nice 
Okay. So some of the time it is that. A lot of the time it's that you're texting me. So I'm driving a lot for work and I'm usually sitting on the Schuylkill Expressway just trapped. That's fine. And like, I hate texting while driving. I'm just seeing And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like, whatever, you're man. Just like, like, word. Yeah, yeah. Word. Do whatever you want, man. Yeah, because I've learned by this point at the end of the day, like, the better episodes come when it is like just the worst movie. Right. So I'm just like, I know, like, I'm I'm making this sacrifice for... Exactly. Like, see, like, if it was just, like, a real podcast, it would be like, I'm oh. making this sacrifice for our fans. Right. I'd feel better about it, but then I'm like... It's just me and you. Then I have this, like, existential <laughs> crisis where I'm like, yeah, I'll make this sacrifice to satisfy, like, my Paul own and fucking... Steve. Yeah, like, <laughs> my, like, self-validating, self-serving no, self. I'm like, telling you, man, people are listening. Uh, my friend Mac listens to this podcast at his work. He said in the kitchen... Um, I have people that contact me all the time will send me a text and say I'm on this and that episode. I actually have had some, but we don't get feedback, which I'm confused how you generate feedback. I think we need to be more controversial. Yeah. I think we need to start doing this podcast. We should be talking about uh, Israel. Like, like naked I've been the, saying. We'll, we'll both be naked and we'll tape it at the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> Yo, okay. So get this. We'll, no, we'll, uh. we will be nude. Mm doing Soul. a live video pod oh, God, no. as we debate the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm. I'll have like a, a Jewish flag on my tummy and in the background, have a Palestinian flag. In the background, we'll have projected, just on loop, Ralph Garman's character in Yoga Hosers. True, true. Okay, I want to go back to my favorites of okay. of the year. Let, let's have you bring it bring it yeah, to a close. let's bring it back. So, okay. And then I have another question for you about oh, that as well, okay, actually. Okay. Right, yeah. Fuck our time limit. I love questions. All right, it's so, your time limit. I'm good. Yeah, my, uh, I live here. So my least favorite movie that we watched for the, the season, which I actually really had to debate myself about this over okay. the last few minutes. Yeah. But it comes down to be... Don't you fucking say ravenous. No. <laughs> no. I will seriously stop the tape. So, I had landed pretty firmly on Pet Cemetery. Oh my god, I forgot about that one. Like, Holy shit. Because that shit. one, like, actively angered me. Yeah, I'm, I just got mad all over again. And so it, it it's <laughs> like between that and Yoga Hosers... Because oh. the way I thought about it Yoga was... Yoga hosers I had already seen, too. Yeah, that sucks. That's sadistic. Oh, but So if I was scrolling God. through the TV and, like, all of my channels were out besides two and one was playing Yoga Hosers <laughs> and, <laughs> and the other was playing Pet Cemetery, and I had to choose one, it's like... Oh, uh, I'd just kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I... Both... I would watch Yoga Hosers, if that's the... Because I think there's maybe... You've maybe, already watched it Maybe twice. there's a, a chance it's that I missed you one joke. You want to fucking... No, I'm, I'm dry on that. Um, <laughs> she's of age now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, uh, You're going to get yourself fired from SNL with yeah. that joke. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel culture, yeah. baby. Shout out Shane Gillis. Shout out Shane Gillis, baby. Um, so, pedo-cast. Yeah. Pedo-cast. Um... So, um, yeah, your least favorite was maybe Pet Cemetery. I think it was what, Pet Cemetery. What would you say your most favorite was? My most favorite episode, um, for my own enjoyment, it's probably Dan on Dan Crime. Really? Um, just because spiced it up a little bit, um, and I'm just self-indulgent. I like being interviewed about things, but cool. it was either that or I really liked the Stephen King episode, despite how much I hated Pet Cemetery. I thought that was a very well organized episode. It I, felt very I professional. Like, I like the review of Pet Cemetery a lot. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's it's the, I mean the fucking goddamn 
last dinosaur episode was really good. I enjoy a lot of them. I really think my favorite, if it didn't sound like shit, the first episode might be my favorite because there are some jokes in that one that I are know. just so fucking grotesque and hilarious and dark. If only I could fix that up. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wanted to ask what was your favorite like moment or bit in the season? Because I know mine uh... easily. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sorry, Joan. That always makes me feel. <laughs> that always makes me feel like I've uh, apologized for the right things. Um, oh, I don't know. What's yours? Uh, the intro to the last dinosaur. Your your fucking echoey thing. Where, Thousands of years. Yeah, ago. where I where I spit up the beer. I, <laughs> I mean, that was the best in studio moment. Yeah. For sure, was you like literally like upending a beer through your Dude, nose? Dude, I was, I was just so just not really paying attention at first and then I just hear you go, nay! Unsheathed! <laughs> I, I also have to say that like um, these podcasts, uh, I, I have learned that it is tough, that there is a certain level of stamina and mental acuity that you have to like be working with and I felt bad for you because to start an episode like by basically throwing up beer out of your nose, it's like <laughs> I felt like I, I didn't know if you were going to be off balance for the rest of the episode after that, but I, I think you pulled it together really well. That wasn't why I was off balance. <laughs> <laughs> and with that veiled reference, yeah. um, we want to thank everybody for being a part of this journey. Uh, anybody who's chimed in. Especially um, our listeners in Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Australia. Alaska Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, Alaska keeps Alaska. Very weird. There is, and there's one die in the middle of the, of the like, Eastern European Asia map that I haven't actually read what country it is, <laughs> right. but we we get we get actual graphs of where this is being listened to. I don't know how or why. I'm hoping someday that uh, a private investigator comes to us and is like, "So we're following the case of somebody who killed someone else, and the only data we have to ping on is where they were listening to your podcast." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Google information points to him listening to Yoga Hosers 14 minutes before the murder occurred. Yeah, it's um, and it, the the suspect is what's his face who directed Book of Henry. <laughs> Colin Trevorrow, <laughs> Barry Pepper. Um, so yeah, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. For all might be my favorite movie we saw. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we have a lot of good episodes planned for next season. We're gonna start yeah. up um as soon as we're ready. I mean, we did take recently a long break, so I don't know how long the next one's gonna be. I'll let Dan decide because I'll do this in my sleep. But um, yeah, no, I think we just need some. I I got, I got big ideas for next season. I yeah. wanna I wanna we bring, got a lot of good. Things I wanna coming. bring some stuff to the table. Move, you know. Kick it up a notch. We're gonna kick it up a notch. Yeah. We're gonna do it upside down. We're gonna kick it up a notch. Um, and as for that, um, we're going to move on to our reviews of Fast and Furious One and Do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Play that fucking track. Um, so the movie we're going to start with first is a movie I had never seen before. Um, 
It was called The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Um, I did not watch this movie this week. But you said you've seen it. I've seen it. So, like, I, right, I saw this movie in the theater, loved it. I was also... Like, yeah, what's your history with this, this franchise? Yeah, I saw this movie in the theater with my dad when I was, I guess, 10 when it came out. Okay. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> like, got it. I owned it on DVD. Okay. Um... I wouldn't say I watched it all the time, but I watched it a fair amount of times. It was a movie that I would always just throw on in the back. It was on, like, HBO. Um, never, like, got anything of substance from it. I just, like, thought it was, like, this, like, cool, sleek movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, if I'm, I... I thought I probably should have rewatched it, because when I really thought back about it, the only distinct thing I can remember is one scene where Paul Walker's near a warehouse, <laughs> and one scene where they're uh, riding by shooting guns, at Vindy's, I guess his character was Dom. Yeah. Um, they're on, they're on their front porch or front lawn, and I just remember bullets flying and Vin Diesel like crawl running across his fucking lawn to escape the bullets, and me thinking that was so like cool and agile. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to like in my living room try to run across like that, oh, like preparing like how would I handle if like guys from like the triads came by and tried to shoot at me with Uzis? Like I, I need to know how to run like that. Oh my god, so I'm a full-grown adult and I just watched this movie. That's my backup with it. The only experience I have with Fast and Furious franchise is a beautiful one, which is I went on the ride at Universal Studios, Yeah. the Fast and Furious. Yeah, you were uh, raving about it. It was one of the fucking funniest things I've ever... <laughs> I've, cri- I've never cried so hard from a piece of media, Schindler's List included. I mean, tears were blowing out of my eyes. I was laughing like my lungs were seizing up. Just imagine being in like a um, like a wild safari car, basically, yeah. and you're surrounded by green screens. You're surrounded by projectors and hologram screens, all sorts of technology. There's a hologram Vin Diesel swinging over your head, like <laughs> suspended from a helicopter, who's speaking to you, the audience member, in a full normal tone. He's like, "We gotta get to the helicopter." He's like talking right at you, but he's a digital cartoon flying across the screen. There's cars flipping. There's people flying through the air. Michelle Rodriguez is literally surfing on top of a car, which goes like over a bridge, flies into the sky. It, it was like the most outlandish thing. And I remember like I went with all of my friends in my bachelor party who love Fast and Furious, like Jared and Vinny and guys like that. And I got out of it and I was like, are the movies anything like what I just experienced? And they're like, oh, yeah. Like there was a Corona everywhere. Like all the hallmarks are in this ride. It was unbelievable. Um. So that made me kind of want to see it, but I mean, a whole year went by, and no, you know, I've watched many things since then. Yeah. No, no need to watch this movie. Now that I've seen it, uh, it's hard because, from my point of view, I watched two movies. You watched Too Fast, but to me, it was like a total story. I mean, like it was like two sides of a shit pen. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, there was the heads and tails aspect of it. So for me, there's going to be some comparing, um, but man. I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. So, my recollection of the situation when these movies came out was... So, I liked The Fast and the Furious. I went to see Too Fast, Too Furious in the theater, and I hated it. And I was, like, sure. still... At that point, I would have been... That's strange. I would have been 12, Okay. I think. 2003. Yeah, I would have been 12. Okay. So, the th- like, I was still of an age where it was rare that I went to a movie and hated it. Right. And then I saw Tokyo Drift in the theater, and I really hated that. I don't think that, so, came, that, that didn't come out in theaters. I think that was straight to DVD. Tokyo Drift? Yeah. I think it was so. the third one. I think it was the first one, the only one to go straight to DVD. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, all right, whatever. Either way. Um, so my memory 
of the movies is that the tone of the first one is significantly different than the second one. That... Is that true, or is that just me like having weird childhood? Me- like okay, so the chi- first like rose-colored glasses. Let's, let's it. get it on. Let's get it on the table. The first movie is Point Break, re okay. skinned. Yeah. It's a reskinned yeah. Point Break. Yeah. Um, it's it's a movie about for anybody that hasn't seen it. Um, Paul Walker, R.I.P. This guy. Um, uh, he is a gorgeous blue-eyed angel race car driver slash undercover cop (laughs) who infiltrates um, Vin Diesel's like chop shop full of criminals who steal DVD players to try to figure out if he's stealing the DVD players. Um, uh, He finds out that he is. He lets him go at the end. That's the entire movie. It's basically like uh, point Break, but instead of surfing and skydiving, it's solely driving CGI cars on right. the blue screen. Okay. Um, uh, it's the second one has some of the same vibe in the sense that you have two kind of diametrically opposed characters who have to get together to solve car crimes. Um, what do they say in Righteous Gemstones? He's like, "Oh, we're just we're just doing car pranks." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what these movies are. It's yeah. like car pranks. The movie. Um, but the second is, one is the dialogue similar. The dialogue in the second one is so much worse than okay, the first okay, one, cool. All right. and that is mostly due to a the director said they were allowed to improv on the second one, and b the improv being done by Tyrese Gibson, yeah. who is all right. All right, so we'll, we'll save the second we'll one save for later. That. I just um, needed to get that out of the way because um, all right. So oh, Fast good. and Furious one opens up. I'll tell wait, you. Wait, wait, because there's that means that to childhood me. Yeah. There was something you got th- that the second movie didn't give me that I got from the first one, and I felt that I was missing that piece of like the prime Fast and the Furious. Uh, no essence. <laughs> essence. <laughs> this is not like um, I was like this one doesn't have the heart of the first one. <laughs> uh, you could say that. We'll, we'll get into the first it. one isn't about cars. The first one's about the characters, and cars are more of a backdrop. Well, I thought that um, the first one was going to be kind of like one of those perfect storm situations where you see a movie that's first at the head of a huge franchise and you're like, oh, they nailed it. They did. You know, all Fast and Furious 1 had to be was a good car movie, a good buddy cop movie, a good kind of spy betrayal type story. Like, it was none of those things. Um, It's pretty stupid, man. I mean, I gotta say, like, I I had hella fun with the first one, but, like, it is mental, some of the things they put in the movie. And just, like, I have this thing where, uh, and this is such a weird thing to reach to, but uh, you know the show no- Newsroom with yeah, Jeff Daniels? Oh, yeah. um, that's so great. Getting sorked. Um, getting sorked. The reason I can never take that movie serious, or that show seriously fully, is because like it is a show that's kind of like a situation danger room type of show. But it it just the news is like such a <laughs> it's like well we gotta get the news out there ASAP just being serious about the news that's just the setting for them to talk exactly so well, much exactly. to each other and drop one liners in passing but the news at such an absurd rate the news is just something that, that's, that's just the, funny to that's be so the sorkiest about. show of all of sorky shows this movie is kind of the same thing where. Everyone is being hella deadly serious about car driving, <laughs> and it's just so stupid to me. I'm just like, I just don't have any interest in it, and I don't understand so many things about it that, like, to me, it just seems ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I still had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with both these movies. I actually found that there were things in the second one I liked more than the first one. 
um, and vice versa. Definitely vice versa. But okay. um, so so you're uh, going to talk about the first one for a while, because a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to share with you some observations yeah. I made about the first one. Um, the first being the opening shot. Yeah. This is like back in the year 2000 when like. X-Men came out and Spider-Man like Sam Raimi movies things like that where it was the early 2000s CGI opening like the titles were CGI and the music is really intense and 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 this movie started with that but it was like the like the early 2000s took a dump on my eyeballs it was like <laughs> it was like uh basically it was just the logo Fast and Furious but it was zoomed in and the background that you could see through the digital lettering was a storage container because the movie starts at a storage yard for some whatever. But for the title and the you know this Fast and Furious font is kind of flipping and turning and the camera's flying through it and there's like new metal like and it's like right off the bat and I, I was like so confused at what I was looking at and I was like yes this is what I want to be watching definitely like this is <laughs> this is like the pure you know you brought up a couple days ago to me oh we need to do episodes about the early 2000s and like I was like holy shit this is it like I'm already watching the most quintessentially yeah. um, 2000s thing possible um, yeah until you got to the fucking second one um, like it, you know 15 seconds into uh, the movie there's basically 2000s new era break new metal songs over and over again and I was like no wonder Dan loved this movie so much <laughs> like, like no wonder this is like in the end in verse as like this was a good entry like this had heart like it's just okay so to, to comment on that FF1 the soundtrack is so much better than 2 the soundtrack of 1 is ridiculous yeah. they will not let one new metal breakbeat <laughs> song end before the other is trucking directly through the score like there is not a moment to breathe from the new metal music in this movie and 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 just like the hip-hop like the white like angry aggro 13 year old wearing a gold chain hip-hop movement of the early 2000s it was like it was like aggressive. It was like uh, I felt like my bully had written and directed this movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, just off the bat, I knew that it was going to be early two thousands bliss. Uh, that, that was backed up by the fact that they established two minutes into the movie that they are stealing um, combo TV DVD players. That is the main MacGuffin yeah, of the movie yeah. of Fast and oh Furious my God, One. You're so right. Um, they are stealing not only that, but there's TV VHS combos in the truck too. Somehow that's a big enough score that they need to send a dude in Oakley's 2000 early's lit like ninja masks <laughs> to rip off this truck with like a fucking grappling hook, like EMP. Like, dude, it was. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, all right, all right. This is like a major theft that's happening here um and it's for dvd players <laughs> and the whole crux of the movie was on them stealing another truckload of dvd players it was amazing i loved it uh, Great. 10 Perfect. out of 10 um <laughs> that was that was my whole uh, review all right so is it really um, 10 out of 10 no absolutely not um <laughs> so they introduced paul walker um and again now i want you to keep in mind like this is a movie that has been made before about a thousand different things but it's just cars this time right just how newsroom you know that's basically what was that show about the white house um west wing west wing is west wing was just a drama a workplace drama but it's at the white house newsroom is a workplace drama but it's about news and like that was way they're, less serious so made by the same person I, i'm aware right. that's why i brought it up yeah. and um, every show is like that <laughs> the drapes on this series 
is cars. Yeah. Which is just yeah. so funny to me. I mean, <laughs> so they open up the movie now. In any other action schlock movie, you have, you know, the brooding undercover cop character introduced doing something moody, angst, yeah. something copish, something cool. They cut to Brian, played by Paul Walker, for the first time, and he's just ripping donuts, like, in a parking <laughs> lot. And he, um, and he, <laughs> he has this moody, expressive look. Like, you know, this is like, um, in Hot Rod, where he's like, I gotta go punch dance my rage out. Yeah. He runs into the forest. <laughs> Paul Walker is just, like, revving his car in yeah. a parking lot. Yeah. That is how they introduce his character, just, just so. car jizzing. Um, that was amazing. Um. Basically, the movie starts with a setup where Paul Walker is trying to infiltrate Vin Diesel, a.k.a. Dom, Dom. his um, organization. And he starts doing that by showing up to Vin Diesel's uh, chop shop, which has a little restaurant in it run by Mia, his sister. Right. Um, and, right. and this is where I want to get Mia. into one of many things where I don't even understand now. In, in FF2, this happened a lot more. But um, the fact that there is scenes of humor that are so weird and jokes that are so weird that you can't even tell if they were trying to be funny or quirky or on the spot right. but like for example paul walker um it's introduced immediately as he goes to this little restaurant at dom's place that he's come there every day for the past three days and ordered nothing but a tuna sandwich with no crust what Somebody wrote that. Man. Yeah, man. Somebody wrote that. It's character Somebody was like, background. How are we going to set this guy up? It's like those brooding odd. undercover cop orders crustless tuna sandwich three days in a row. And and okay, it's one line. No, it goes on. <laughs> this bit about the tuna sandwich goes on into the first action scene with Vin Diesel to the point where someone says, they turn to Paul Walker and they go, "What's up with this fool? Is he sandwich crazy?" <laughs> That's a fucking line in this movie, dude. That's a plot point yeah. in his undercover sting. Because when you're undercover and you're a cop, you don't want to do anything too weird. You right. know what I mean? You don't want to go to a dangerous chop shop that has a sandwich counter um, that you're trying to infiltrate and order a crustless tuna sandwich three days in a row. <laughs> but that brings me to the amazing thing about Brian, okay? Bri Brian. <laughs> Brian, dude. I swear to God, Brian is a great character like he's so funny so like stern like nothing phases him he's just like so intense yeah. and yeah. he has no background like they in either of these movies thus far really don't say much about him right. at all other than just he's just a fucking badass with blue eyes and Dude, he's just well that, that's my whole point with what you were just saying about about the tuna with the crust cut off is that it's like <laughs> when you, you ever take like a drama class in high school and yeah. they'll teach you like the basics of playwriting and it'll be, you know, here's your characters. Now you have to write that character's biography. And then, so like, you, you gotta write all this shit about the characters so you get to know them. Shit, they'll never end up in the script and it'll be an exercise like, what would he order if he goes to the deli counter? It's like, they wrote this movie and someone at the studio was like, hey, this guy Brian has like literally no backstory or whatsoever, so they made him do that exercise. Just like and what he came up nonsense. with, he's like, look, he's like, well, if I took the time to write that he likes tuna sandwiches with the crust cut off, then it's getting into the fucking movie. They were like, it was like an exercise, they're like, okay, <laughs> tell us something about your character quick. He's like, right. oh, you, you eat tuna sandwiches yeah. with no crust. Yeah. That's going in. Yeah. <laughs> like, um... It was literally like, we need like two more pages. Um, so, uh, fuck, man. I, I got, I have a note here. <laughs> it says, as I am watching Paul Walker arrive to a block party sized illegal street race to Limp Biscuits rolling, 
a deep wave of nostalgia does. washes over me. Um, and that was like the feeling this movie gave me was like the shittiest early 2000 thing, which really I don't think the second one had quite as much of that. And I know for you having just watched it with no context, it may seem like dated 2000s trash, but the first one goes <laughs> hard long into it. Um, ja Rule is in the first one. Um, his name is Edwin in it. <laughs> and he refers to himself in the third person. Um, don't know how that character didn't make it through the whole series. Um, but uh, he is a revelation. I mean, he's incredible. Um, they introduce him Murder. real early. Yeah, they introduce him real early uh, while they play his own rap song over the <laughs> non-diegetic soundtrack. Yeah, happening. so in this universe, does both Ja Rule and Edwin, Edwin exist? Exactly. Yeah. Edwin is a Ja Rule fan, yeah. is what he's trying to say. <laughs> Um, it's like a Garth Brooks, uh, Chris Gaines situation. Um, the other quarter of this movie was spent, and this is not like the second one. This doesn't happen at all in the second one, really. But uh, a quarter of the dialogue was spent talking about nitrous specifically, <laughs> yeah. which fucking was really funny to me. Um, it's because it's before, like, now everyone, because of these movies, has an idea of, like, oh, you got Nas in your car. You got Nas, dude. You got need that Nas. Like, that wasn't a thing before these movies. But the like, first time I saw this, I was like, what does that button on his steering wheel do? And then he hits it, and it's like, shoom! And I was like, is that a fucking thing? That's first of the, all, shit, the shit from my paintball cuts. First of all, with the nitrous talk, like... So much of it is so funny taken out of context. Like, people say things like, he's got enough nitrous to blow himself up, period. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've heard someone say that before, but yeah. had nothing to do with a car. Um, and uh, there was so much talk of, <laughs> of nitrous in this movie that made me laugh. Like, no nitrous was ever enough in this movie yeah. for anyone. <laughs> um, here are the things that blow my mind about the nitrous stuff, in especially FF1. Um Oh my god, the fact that when they hit it, they were like going into light speed, like in the Millennium Falcon where all the stars blur, and yeah, like yeah, literally yeah. they are like flying through fucking space. First of all, anytime any character hits the Nas button in any of these <laughs> movies, they're for sure in a green screen, they're for sure like not being affected by gravity whatsoever, they're like totally serious face. For example, like Vin Diesel in this movie, even worse than Paul Walker, they would cut to him and he was unmoving. <laughs> the man is literally yeah. made of stone, like... Paul Walker's going, they show his speedometer at one point. He's going 120 miles an hour. <laughs> he is not even catching up to Vin Diesel. That means that Vin Diesel is going 130 plus miles an hour. They zoom in on Vin Diesel, he smirks. <laughs> he turns his head fully and smirks. Yeah. He's not vibrating at all. He's completely calm. I want to say in his rider, Vin Diesel is like, if you're going to do this, you got to make it show I'm not moving when I'm driving the car. He's just frozen. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a power move. He, like, practices his body not vibrating. Like, he has, like, a shock seat so he doesn't move as much. But he has so many funny looks when he's driving. All the characters in both of these movies, when they zoom in on them during CGI cut-in yeah. shots, it is, like, fucking hilarious to me. Like, it, it, there was no end to that being comical to me. So <laughs> that kept me going regardless. Um, Michelle Rodriguez straight up sucks in the first movie. I do not like her character. She's, like, squinty-eyed and kind of pilled out. I don't know what was going on with her <laughs> personally in this movie. Um, this brings me to a question. Now, this is, was, right off the bat, I think, one of my most important questions. Okay. Um, it is a little offensive, oh, I think. God. I'm not sure. You tell me. But here's one of the biggest questions I have about The Fast and the Furious. Um, what race am I supposed to think Vin Diesel is in this movie? Um... He has an Italian name, Hispanic-looking sister, but since he's stealing truckloads of DVD players, I want to say he's black. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All 
right. And in real life, he's black. He's half black. Vin so. Diesel is? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, so what you just said is okay, then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so he's he can make the choice to be black. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, what is Dominic Toretto? That's a very Italian name. Yeah. Right? But he's, like, in a South L.A., like, puto chop shop. Yeah. Which, like, that doesn't really... You know, like... They I, wanted this movie to be relatable to all types. Yeah, I mean, Vin Diesel is, like, you can literally make him whatever you yeah. want. He can even be a white guy. What's, I mean, like, honestly. what's like, the race version of androgyny? Uh, Vin Diesel. <laughs> um, uh, how in the name of God and everything holy on planet Earth did Exhibit not make it into either of these movies. Oh, Exhibit's in the fourth one. Oh, my God, really? No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, dude, the Pimp My, yeah, I mean, my Ride guy not yeah. being in these movies when they literally have the Ludacris, they have Ja Rule, yeah. like, the fact that they couldn't get him into it, uh... Murder. Sad. Um, so, anyway, the situation plays out where... You know, he's trying to get in um, to Dominic's world. Brian's trying to break into Dominic's world, but Dominic is like the street racing Italian Jesus. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't know why everybody respects him so much. Um, and, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, then a bunch of weird things happened that I had to look into. Things that confused the fucking shit out of me and made me laugh really hard. Such so as the funniest move, uh, line to me in the entire movie upon hearing it first which was when they're at a party at uh, Dominic Vin Diesel's house and Brian's like, can I get something to drink? And Vin Diesel's like, only if it's Corona. <laughs> that is literally his answer. And I laughed really hard and I thought that that was stupid, but then like somewhere in my research about these... <laughs> in my research you went to the library. ...about these movies. Um, now listen how in-depth this is. At the house party, Dom says to Brian, you can have any beer you want, as long as it's a Corona. This is a reference to an automobile inventor, Henry Ford. Although he never fully said, you can have any color you want, as long as it's black, that was his phrase. And although the Model T, which is supposed to be referring to, made in several colors, um, the phrase, blah, 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 the phrase has long been attributed to him in the Model T. Anyway. It's a famous, like, if you were, like, a yeah, car enthusiast. It's an in-joke. It's an in-joke for, in for, for, for car enthusiast. For their core fucking... Those are for, like, the fanboys who went and they were like, oh, I hate, I hate how this movie appeals to all the greater, the casual car fans. <laughs> and then they get that, they're like, all right, all right, cool. All right, cool. Um, uh, As they're wearing a tight black t-shirt. Um, Fast and Furious had a scene where... Uh, like 40 blocks was basically shut down in LA for like a 200 car street race to happen and yeah. I was just wondering if like anything of that magnitude actually happens <laughs> on planet earth yeah. like uh, I'm pretty sure it does not um, they they were like okay so like I think this was the first one to set up the street race hundreds of cars like drove down the street and like parked in a fan to like yeah. block all the roads off like uh, you just don't see that happening really yeah. <laughs> I don't really think that that happens yeah. I mean maybe it did in the early 2000s but uh, and 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 there are DJs playing and there's food know, trucks I and like I, I mean like how we get the it's organization tru it's uh, truly incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I have I have a decent amount of notes about that uh, sure. for the second one. Yeah, I mean that's like a lot of the questions. It, del that. it delights me to hear that that was also a thing in the first one. Um, I have a note that says I haven't heard this much yelling about nitrous since my wife got in her last fight with a tank dealer's prices in a concert parking lot. Shout out Rachel. Wow. Um. Shout out Rachel's future potential employer. <laughs> Emphasis on potential. Uh, I have a note that just says, holy shit, Ted Levine is in this movie. Which, <laughs> um, which I, if in the second movie, they got like Dexter's dad to be like the number one white man cop. But in this movie, it was Ted Levine. Yeah. Who, for 
those of you not keeping count is like the guy who's in Silence of the Lambs and is like one of the best character actors of all time and he's pretty fucking wacky in this movie <laughs> uh, they set a precedent in this movie which I do not know is going to continue on in this series we're going to find out because we're going to watch every single one of these movies on this podcast but um, nope. I I do not I can't remember what I was going to say uh, nice dude you were talking about uh, Ted Levine. Oh, I don't know what the precedent is in terms of goofy cops. <laughs> Why are all the cops so goofy? Like, they all have quirks and are doing weird things. And, like, in the second one, one of them is just wearing a Hawaiian shirt at one point, And Paul Walker's like, dude, why are you wearing that? And he's like, it's casual Friday or yeah. something. Like, I don't know why the cops need to be wacky in these movies. Maybe to make them seem, like, less able to break up a 200 car street race (laughs) um, taking place over half of LA but like the ineptness of the police force is like a constant issue in these movies so far I don't really I had a lot of trouble getting that together Um, another thing that really blew me away (laughs) this is one of the final things that really fucked me up in this movie Um, the the apotheosis of this movie takes place in an event called Race Wars um, which is Okay, let's just take a pause. Okay, yeah. I don't even need to go. I don't need to go too much further into it. But uh, the movie was originally going to be titled Race Wars. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> um, Dude. And uh, oh, I wish it was. I just don't know if anybody That's, was. Instead, that should be the title of Vin Diesel's memoir. Or this should. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because he's multi-racial. Yeah. That was genius. Um. Uh, Vin Diesel's character is supposed to be 24 in this movie, but he was <laughs> he was 35 when yeah. he shot it. He so. had already played the Iron Giant and been <laughs> like, I, I really appreciated Vin Diesel's ra- really showing his range finally, going from the big dumb fuck from Saving Private Ryan to the big dumb fuck who races. Uh, the role of Mia was written for Eliza Dushku, which, oh my god, she would have been so much better in this movie. Um, Eliza Dushku. As you would all know from uh, the new guy. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Christian Bale, yeah. and Eminem were all considered for the part of Brian O'Connor before Paul Walker was cast. Dude, Eminem would have been lit. <laughs> dude, Eminem would have killed it. Yeah. Think about it. I know. Like, he's a really hard-edged dude. I know. That would have been a great role for I him. I know. He could have been in all those movies. I would have loved to see Eminem interact with a wacky cop. Christian Bale, though? Yeah. <laughs> dude. <laughs> that would have ruined the man's Yeah, career. I was going to say, what a different career, What a different frame of reference we'd have for Christian Bale right now. Uh, we definitely would not have a lot of good movies. I'm that... sure Christian Bale took one look at the dialogue in that movie and was like, oh, no. I want to circle back around to Race Wars. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to say it's the most egregious potential title I've ever heard for a movie. And the fact that it made it into the movie as the central culminating event of the events of the film. Yeah. And and the amount of times the characters said Race Wars. And the amount of... Maybe multi- the movie's supposed to be like an allegory. It was not. <laughs> I, in fact, I would not be shocked if nobody thought of this. Until very recently, Vin watched it and was like, Yo, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I truly don't... I, it's tough for me to picture... <laughs> Is that so, your Vin Diesel impression? I, I'm trying... Yeah, it's, it's just like a low, a low growl. Um, you sounded like my imitation of Joan before we spoke to Joan. Yeah, you're like, yeah, baby, it's me, Joan. Whatever you say, sweetheart. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I just want to note that, uh, you know, at the end of this movie, just to set up the next one, at the end of this movie, and we're going to talk a bit about this coming up in our next part, but um, at the end of this movie, 
Brian finally catches Dom and then lets him go. Because they've developed a kinship. I watched the movie, they did not. But uh, <laughs> they had one corona together at a, at a house party, and really it did not constitute much. But um, Paul Walker understands Vin Diesel's character. He's kind of an outsider, you know. Paul's the type of guy that, yeah, he's he's a straight and steady policeman, but he still needs to blow off steam doing uh, donuts in the parking lot from well, time to time. Yes and no. We're gonna say, is, who's, what is that an impression <laughs> of? Your private investigator on Paul Walker? Like, um... We should just not do voices anymore. I don't. <laughs> no, it spices things up. People love our voices. They come to us for the characters. <laughs> yeah. Was it TBS characters first or characters welcome? It's TBS, very funny. No, well, one of them's characters welcome. TNT. No, that's. Not it. Um. Okay. Final note uh, about this movie, which uh, just brings it around to many themes of our podcast thus far, which is that this movie was made by a total pederast who got. Uh, me too really badly who made this movie um, his name's Rob Cohn he's director of the third mummy movie <laughs> um, and uh, he's also the director of triple X and the reason I bring that up is but not triple X to the rise of, of Xander Cage to his state of the union uh, which one is the rise of Xander Cage is Xander Cage ice cube I think Xander Cage is Vin Diesel in that movie that's the third one there can't be four triple X movies. There's one of them with just Ice Cube and yeah, no right. Vin. We've talked about that on the podcast before also. Uh, I feel like we may end up having to watch one of those movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> triple X one is fucking lit. Triple X one is a good movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the director of this movie, Fast and Furious, ended up going with Vin Diesel to make Triple X, which is why he is not in um, the second film, um, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, the other reason that he's not in the second film um, uh, is because he asked for $24 million or something to do the second one um, and, then, <laughs> and and ultimately turned it down. Um, and uh, Diesel ended up saying that uh, the premise of the second film did not work even though they offered him this $25 million. He said, Universal, there's a quote, Universal Studios didn't take a Francis Ford Coppola approach to it. They approached it like they did sequels in the 80s and 90s, that they would drum up a new story, unrelated for the most part, and slap the name on it. First of all, did Vin Diesel really compare the Fast and Furious franchise to Francis Ford Coppola in any facet? I I don't know, but I'm shocked that Vin Diesel... Like, Vin Diesel was saying with that quote... He was so spot on. He was saying with that quote that he wanted it to be, like, Godfather 2 right. to Godfather 1. Yeah. But instead, it was, like, an 80s, 90s... And it was, like, an 80s, yeah. 90s sequel. I completely um, agree with him. I mean, I don't know that the, he used the most apt metaphor, but... Um, and uh, so they went off and made Triple X and made that movie, and then... Um, Oh, wait, I have one more fact that you're not even going to fucking believe. This okay. is really interesting. All right. Originally, this scumbag Rob Cohn, the director, uh, his original casting choices for the film and its conception were Mario Lopez as Dominic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Mark Paul Gossier as Brian. So this guy just really liked... And Dustin Diamond as Jesse. Who's Jesse? The mechanic, the quirky guy, mechanic. He said, however, the studio execs deeply feared that the reteaming of the Saved by the Bell co-stars would confuse audiences. Yeah. Yeah, it surely yeah. would. <laughs> but I mean, dude, how awesome would this movie be if it was the cast of like, Saved like, by the like, Bell? Like, Mark Paul Gossier as Paul Walker makes total sense. Total they're, sense. They're the same person. The other two... Mario Lopez is <laughs> <laughs> sort of Zan. Maybe if they shaved his head, it looked like Vin Diesel. 
Oh, that guy just loves Saved by the Bell. What um, a fucking weirdo. He also loves diddling. He, yeah, he's like, I want to cast uh, Tiffany Amber um, Thiessen as my co- uh, my assistant. He has since been accused of raping, drugging, and raping a woman Whoa. while she was asleep who was doing a TV pilot for him and also sexually abusing and having sex with his transgender daughter. What? Yeah. So he has a transgender son slash daughter and the wife, his wife has uh, sued him publicly through their divorce that he molested and had sex with this, their biological child who is transgender. Wow. So next guest on the Movie Blues podcast, director Rob Cohn. <laughs> well, that just took a dark turn. Dude, this is our podcast. Yeah. Of course it's going to take a yeah. dark turn. <laughs> but that's what ended up happening to this guy. It's why he has nothing to do with the Fast and Furious movies anymore. Uh, he went on to direct Triple X and uh, then went on to Triple X's daughter. So, <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. So now we move on. Now we move on to director John Singleton's least impressive effort, Fast and <laughs> Furious Part 2, Too Fast, Too Furious. Her. to show movement as well as physically yeah. best. Dude, like, that's like full 3D audio. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Fast and Furious 1. What would you rate Fast and Furious 1, even though you didn't recently rewatch yeah. it? So the last time I watched Fast and Furious 1 was probably like senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so between around... So, Alright, so how I would have rated it like when I first saw it, probably like a 9 out of 10. I loved it. Then... Last time I watched it, I probably would have rated it like <laughs> like, like a seven and a half out of ten. Uh-huh. Um, now I'm kind of from the perspective where I'm looking at it in the context of what I just watched in Too Fast, Too Furious, and I'm wondering how much of it is gonna actually be more like that than I remember. Right. So I'm gonna give the. With that said. Without the success of the first Fast and the Furious movie, we never would have been graced with uh, the pacifier. Vin Diesel never would have become the man that he is today. We would have never had uh, Chronicles of Riddick because no one would have given a shit about Pitch Black. So, and we definitely never would have had Triple X. I think Pitch Black was before this movie. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I'm saying no one would have like Pitch Black. <laughs> 
from my memory, really only got a ton of attention once it started being aired on HBO all the time after the success of Fast yeah, and Furious. Definitely a cult movie that Vin Diesel starred. So, so, right. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm just gonna give the Fast and the Furious. I'm gonna stick with a 7.5 because I remember it being hilarious and and a real and I really like the way that Vin Diesel runs across the lawn on his hands and legs. I mean, I want to give a high rating to any movie that has a hard F so early on. In, it's like the third line of the movie in this movie, so... Maybe... Oh, wait, I have one more note I wanted to make in terms of zaniness with the, with the, with the police officers. Um, Ted Levine at one point... This is something that happens in this film. Um, they, like, are meeting up uh, with Ted Levine to, like, go over the game plan vis-a-vis, like, their next heist or whatever, and Brian walks into Ted Levine's police, like, tactical office. Ted Levine turns to his assistant and goes, uh, me and Brian are gonna need two frozen decaf cappuccinos. <laughs> okay, this assistant disappears and comes back with cups, you see the cup that I gave you for your coffee right yeah. there? With cups bigger than that. With... <laughs> fucking whipped cream on top and gives it to the two characters and they drink it throughout the scene and for that and many more reasons i'm going to give this film a 6.8 um i think that uh you know what Mm, yeah no yeah i can't i can't even go to 6.9 but like in terms of fun in terms of like watching something stupid it's not even that movie accomplishes exactly what it's set out to accomplish yeah, I guess. I don't know. To be a bad movie about cars. And mission accomplished. Um, the only parts of the film that I found actually interesting were uh, Brian and Dominic's relationship. And I thought all the acting was pretty good. And the soundtrack was like literally like a stand up comedy act to listen to for me. Uh, every it new was like joke the was attitude hilarious. era of wrestling in a um, soundtrack. I hope everyone's enjoying listening to the full Fast and Furious soundtrack, which I'm going to just have looping endlessly on this episode. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it for me. And uh, I'm going to throw it over to Dan now as we cross into the 2003 sequel directed by John Singleton. Yeah, which, which I had no idea. Oh my god, what a fact that is. I mean, he didn't diddle his daughter, but that's a famous director, my yeah. god. Um, and we're going to we, talk whom about... you guys would know from Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Baby, Baby Boy, Boy, which Dan and I recently talked about, is an absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen Baby Boy and likes hip-hop movies or movies about African-American culture, it's up there with like belly and stuff like that. It's an incredible movie. Um, Rest in peace. This is not. So let's kick it off and talk about <laughs> FF2. Go ahead, Dan. All right, so for Too Fast, Too Furious, again, my recollection of this movie. You mean Race Wars 2? Yeah, Race Wars 2. Helter Skelter. The Deuce. <laughs> my recollection was that I hated it so much that I stopped caring about the Fast and the Furious franchise by the second one. And I think so, everyone did. Yeah, so I was dreading watching this movie, and I was expecting this to be one of our usual weeks where I show up with, like, four notes of, like, extra egregious things in the plot, and then I just kind of wing it the rest of the time. Cool. And, like, you know, sometimes... Business I, as usual. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel like you feel a little bit slighted by my lack of preparation. Most days. Or like... But I also love hearing myself talk, so go on. Yeah. So, um... This one, I was just... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Dom just drove by. (laughs) He swung by uh, on a helicopter. Wait, here's Paul. (laughs) You guys get it? It's because he died. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, uh... So this one, it took me, no joke, because I checked, it took me an hour and a half 
to get through the first scene because I paused it so many times by so many things interesting me about it. I haven't masturbated that many times during a movie. That's a lot of times. Yeah, it was a bunch of times. That's why I was limping when I got here. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I made this list of the things, and I realized I had an entire page just from the intro scene to the movie. Just a list, one through ten. So I'm just going to read them as a list. I just want to let our dedicated listeners also know that this is like, Dan is like holding a tablet. Right yeah. Now. Like in terms of power moves, <laughs> he's drinking coffee too. This is like, compared to your condition last episode, <laughs> which I won't have to get into, but compared to your condition last episode, you drinking a coffee with a tablet is like, you've had a life-changing event happen since then. Yeah, and it's I watched Too Fast, Too Fast. <laughs> it's, it's changed me to my core. <laughs> we, all, we all grew by the end of that movie. All right, I'm going to stop interrupting right. you. Here yeah, we go. No, go it's ahead. fine. So what I, I'm going to call this segment, um, I'm going to name it after both my favorite Kevin Bacon film as well as how watching this movie made me feel and this segment will be called Hollow Dan. I cannot believe you would use that for this and not literally I will watch Hollow Man to do an episode called Hollow Dan. Now that's fucking ruined. That movie's amazing. Yeah, CGI breast just being squeezed. Have you ever seen anything even since then as amazing as that? <laughs> no, no. I paid for that movie on pay per view when it came out. Okay, folks, you missed Hollow Dan. Dan. All right, what Hollow kind of music Dan. do you want for your segment here? What are you um, thinking for Hollow Dan? I could stop the new metal. I mean, I really don't want to, but. Yeah, I don't know. We can think about it after the fact. All right, let's go. All right. Now, remember, this, <clears throat> all of this top 10 list is purely about the intro scene to the movie. This is before. <laughs> This is before any plot actually happens in the movie. Okay. So this is pre-Tyrese. Pre-Tyrese, exactly. Okay. So imagine, curtains drop, or cu- curtains lift on the screen, Too Fast, Too Furious, a John Singleton joint, and scene. One. God, this is the most early 2000s shit ever. Immediately. What a totally fucked time period. <laughs> Two. This dude just walked up and literally took a handful of that girl's pussy and she just giggled. <laughs> that would never happen in a film today. <laughs> happened in Rob Cohn's office. <laughs> Three. This movie looks like it was filmed in 1996. Four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Four. How could they just so dramatically change the tone for the sequel from the first movie immediately? This is like a comedy. It's like the shift from Saw to Saw 2. Five. (laughs) I mean, I have a lot to say so far about this segment. (laughs) Five. Five. Why is Paul Walker's driver's side on the wrong side of his car? Yeah, like what the... F- <laughs> dude, what was up with that? Okay, all right, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I gotta keep my mouth shut. Uh, like he's in Europe. Is that even legal in America? <laughs> <laughs> is any of this legal? <laughs> Question on my mind throughout both movies. <laughs> Six. This race scene is terrible. It isn't dramatic at all. It's like a cartoon video game. <laughs> Seven. So needlessly dangerous. All of this. <laughs> right <laughs> right like they're all about to die at all times yeah. and for what for 10 g's like yeah 
It's incredible. Yeah. Dude, when they said that it was only for 10 Gs, I was like, the, You're gonna the, die the, for 10 the Gs. legal fees alone just for getting pulled over in this scenario. And none of you are ever going to wear your seatbelts in either of these movies. Yeah. This is, a, this is a reasonable digression. All right, cue the music again. <laughs> yeah. Eight. I like that in this borderline life or death scenario in which no other cars are on these major roads full of a full-blown business district, these fine racers take the time to make quippy one-liners one after another when none of their competitors can even hear them. Thank goodness that we, the audience, can. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Nine. This might truly be the most dated movie I've ever seen, purely because in my mind I was so sure that movies stopped looking like this by 2003. It, <laughs> it's filmed like a slapstick comedy like Christmas Vacation. If you seriously change the music to this, it instantly becomes a comedy. As I write this, the only female driver went up a terrifying ramp only to fly through the air and scream, Yeah, tap that ass. The one-liners... Uh, the line was, slap that ass, bitch. <laughs> what was that line, dude? What What was that? Honestly, that was like, that line was just so out of nowhere. I was like, no way anyone would ever say that in this situation, but okay. She's they lifted the bridge of the road, and the woman flies up it like a ramp, and while mid-air goes, yeah, slap that ass, bitch. It's, what the fuck? I mean, talk about lines obviously written by a man. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Right. Not a small Asian woman in a race car. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cue the music. <clears throat> the one-liners come across yeah. like an actual homage to 1995 cinema blockbuster Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Ten. Now, now there's police with <laughs> ten. Now there's police with futuristic decked-out grappling guns that they keep in their sedans to apparently use on civilians. Oh Is Too Fast, Too Furious a classic dystopian future tale? Is this about to become to me what Judge Dredd was to my preteen self? This is nothing like the first one. <laughs> and, that, and that was uh, hollow. Dan. That was hollow, Dan. People. Wow. Uh... That was uh, about as compelling as most Hollow Earth theories that I've <laughs> around the internet. Um, uh, I, yeah, a lot of the things you mentioned in there were things that definitely confused me. Uh, the EMP gun, like that, still doesn't exist. Uh, uh, here's what's crazy. Okay, here's what's crazy about the EMP gun. Now they're they're doing this twenty car street race. A cop pulls up and shoots them with this thing that basically shuts the car down completely and turns off the engine. Whatever. It's in, like, downtown Miami, EMP, and there's no cars to be found anywhere. EMP technology doesn't really exist like that. That's the first problem. Like, even when Dark Knight Rises did it, like, Batman has a gun in that movie that right. shoots EMP rounds. Um, even when that movie came out some ten years later, that still did not exist. Um, so that was a bad call on, on somebody's <laughs> and, part. And the way the gun looks, it's got, like, lasers and shit. It's like, it's like something out of Starship Troopers. The thing that was so ridiculous about it, that's element two. That you just mentioned. Element two was that it looked like a gun from Galaxy Quest. It was like <laughs> absurd looking. Element three, and I think the worst, most egregious element, is that this car race is happening. There's hundreds of cop cars everywhere. A cop just like pulls up and jumps out with that yeah, in his hands. Right, right. In his hands. Like... To it be prepared with that weapon in a regular cop car. He wasn't a SWAT yeah. team member. This is just a guy gets out of a cop car with like a laser beam 
grappling hook electrified grappling hook like with lightning bolts right. and shoots it that's into exactly what I'm saying they just have it in their sedans like it's not in like their SWAT van it's just like he had it on his driver like his passenger side seat ready just in case um I, that really brings me to a huge question um about this movie uh and about the previous like <laughs> in that like is there a special unit of like most police stations where they trick and pimp out cars <laughs> yeah. for stings? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is the like what like just the car thing? Like, and I think that's why as these movies go on, they're going to drop the car thing because like that just like you can only go so far <laughs> in terms of storytelling when you have to have. 50 supercharged like racing cars in your movie the fact that there's any plot in either of these movies is like a fucking godsend honestly because i thought it was gonna be mostly car porn but it's not no the car stuff in it is uh is it in service to the plot i can't even believe i'm saying that but it's actually not that exploitative when it comes to the car stuff um yeah, I mean, just, you know, the emphasis on it is just really ridiculous. Um, and Fast and Furious 2, I want to say right off the bat, let's go back to the episode Dan on Dan Crime, where we had a question, what movie would be best to stick Vin Diesel into? And the answer <laughs> is Fast and Furious 2. <laughs> because the fact that he's not in this movie is criminal. Like... And the fact that they replaced him with Tyrese Gibson, whose performance in this film is sublimely terrible in ways that, like, will be spoken about in the hymns forever. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. everything Bruh. he says in Bruh. this movie ends with either bruh or cuz. He's like, yo, he's like, or homie. They did not let him say a single line in this movie that didn't end in bruh, cuz, or homie. I, and, and I want to say sometimes they would find a line in the editing suite and they're like ADR it in because some of the ADR lines even had bro cousin homie like we get your like I want to say that a big theme of these movies is family from what I've heard about the series without knowing anything about it but they surely don't mention that in the first movie well that's what he means when he says cuz (laughs) and I was going to say the closest they get in this movie is just everyone calling each other cousin homie just endlessly um Dude, I got a lot of things to say about this fucking movie. Good. I got a lot of things to say about this movie. Um, first of all, the Universal logo turning into a hubcap in the, <laughs> in, the, in the opening three seconds of the movie. I was like, I'm fucking in! I was like, let's go! I had just watched the first one like 12 hours beforehand. And I was like, dude, we can only go up from here. Honestly, what, like have to only go up from here. Um, uh, uh, dude, the movie kicks off with Ludacris saying, it's time for some ignition and straight automobile pimping. Yeah. Dude, I was like, best movie I've ever seen. Continue. And Ludacris's hair is incredible. Um, he's, he's sublimely terrible in this movie as well. Ludacris is he's, fuck. He's, he's better than Tyrese by a long shot in this movie. Um, oh, he's better than Tyrese. I mean, that's like, dude, that's like insert like world war ii reference right, or something like right. anything is better that was like than... leningrad was better than stalingrad <laughs> thank you that's like exactly what i was looking for um so uh the, the all right so right off the bat right off the bat dude the most egregious part of this movie is that it operates under the assumption that brian is the main character of the last movie which is not true right. brian in combination with dominic or just dominic are the lead characters of the last movie yes it's about 
uh, Paul Walker doing his thing, but Paul Walker is a complete proxy in the first right. movie. He's a blank slate almost in both of these movies. Right. <laughs> Everything is just drapes around him. Um, and it's obvious that Vin Diesel is the more enigmatic character of the two of them. And I'm ch- you got to help me find a comparison here. But like I said, it would be like if they made a movie that was just about Robin. Like, why would anyone, <laughs> why yeah. the fuck would anyone want to see that? Like, it makes, it's not Dude. even like Joker, where it's like a respected character in his own right. Nobody saw Fast and Furious 1 and was like, I just, honestly, I just want to know what's going to happen to Brian. Yeah. Dude, and Brian, so, correct Brian. me if I'm wrong, but I felt like his character was like, somehow even, just like, super exaggerated in this one, where... I think everything was like, super exaggerated he's in this speaking one. like an extra, like, surfer dude sometimes. Like, I need you to cut in mo- the moment that where he first runs into Tyrese and they go for a walk and he's just like bro maybe I was just chilling out bro like <laughs> oh they talk like they are two two register workers at a Hollister yeah. they're like they're brainless <laughs> uh the dialogue in between Brian and and uh Rome who's Tyrese is just fucking bananas and there's no end to how bad that gets um dude I have a note here that just says I'm super feeling how often Paul Walker is saying things like bro and chill out and cuz. I think the line chill out bro is in that is in Fast and Furious 2 no less than 100 times. <laughs> Said back yeah. and forth. Bruh. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> Tyrese just says bruh. He has these enormous chiclet teeth too. And he's just like bruh. Like every fucking scene. Every line of dialogue. Bruh. Cuz. It's dude. It's just like it's like he has Tourette's or something. <laughs> It's like his. It's like his tick. Honestly. And it's like it's like while they're in intense, like death-defying moments, where they like, we gotta get out of here, bruh. Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean this this movie had a Nas injection size of bro material in it. Like it was so much more broed out than the last one. First of all, in the last one, <laughs> in the last one, Paul Walker is like kind of like dressed sort of like a normal Hollister model yeah. in this one he's wearing like like West Side choppers and board shorts Dude, and is wearing convict, Converse shoes in every single scene <laughs> of the movie including a nightclub scene where he is actually in dress clothes but is still in his Converse's right um, he attends the first business meeting with the bad guy of the movie where they're essentially auditioning people to be his henchmen right. uh, that he's trying to break into and he's wearing board shorts. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Paul Walker is, and his performance is so intense but he's dressed like the dude who called me a faggot in high school all the time. <laughs> he's, he's not dressed in a serious manner. Yeah. He looks like an extra from like an American right. Pie scene. Right. He, he looks, looks like, like he the looks guy like, in the background. He looks like he's selling like die cast skull rings at a flea market. Um... <laughs> I also came to a realization about the Nas this time around. I had like another Nas realization. My Nas realization from this film was that not only do they enter this like Millennium Falcon, the stars are bending mode right. when they hit the Nas, but the thing that blew me away every time is that, and and if I wish this was a video medium that we could do that we could show clips in, right. but the reaction to everyone's Nas boost is like the first time they hit it every single time. They're like shocked out of their fucking mind. They're like, whoa! And it's like, dude, you they, hit, o- they overcorrected for the first movie. I was like, you've hit the Nas button a million times yeah. before. You know the, what it's going to do. They're like, oh yeah. shit, cuz! And it's like they go into like star mode and they're like freaked out. I'm like, are you really that shocked at, the, yeah. at what's going to happen when you press the red button on your steering wheel? Like, some uh, some review really got to a studio head about the first one, how they look so calm when they hit the Nas button. And no, they were like, no, it was just Dom. I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear. It was just Vin Diesel. Even when Paul Walker went into hyperspace in the first one, he was like. His eyes at least fluttered a little bit. Vin Diesel was like, 
Smiling. <laughs> he was just smiling the whole time. So, like, after I wrote all those notes about the intro, I didn't write another note for, like, 10, 15 minutes, and my first note is just, man, seeing that West Coast chopper shirt and board shorts really just warmed up my insides. <laughs> oh, he was, like, uh, very trashy looking. Um, uh, my favorite quote from Paul Walker, rest in peace, from this movie was, uh, when he was, like, driving really fast and looking and trying to impress his girl by, like, looking at her at the same time while driving 120 miles an hour. And he goes, what, you think I would crash? Wah, wah, yeah. wah, Paul Walker's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You leave me hanging on Paul Walker death jokes? First of all, there was no cap on how many foreshadowings Paul Walker had of his own death. I know, I know. Uh, in all these movies. Um, at one point, um, he said, um, one character said to another, um, oh, that's from Brian's School of Driving. <laughs> he was like, that trick's from Brian's School of Driving. Yeah. I was like, that's not the only one, kid. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Anyway, Paul Walker's dad. Dude, I have one note that just says, was Paul Walker even in stuff before Fast and the Furious? How did become? How did he become a star? This dude can't act for shit. Wait, don't I remember Joyride being a really good movie? Wait, whatever happened to Steve Zahn? National Security was hilarious. Dude, Steve Zahn's still working, man. He's Is out he? There. What's he doing? And also, I think, jo- uh, again, Rob Cohen, that director, yeah. directed Joyride. <laughs> no way! Yeah, he did. Fuck. I think that's how he, Paul Walker ended up in the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, wow, that fucking incestuous little bitch. <laughs> um, One of my notes just says, oh, Dexter's dad is here. <laughs> yeah. De- Dexter's dad is the, the bargain bin replacement of Ted Levine in this movie. Um, this movie centers around the relationship between um, Rome, who is an ex-friend slash co-worker slash criminal to Paul Walker, and Paul Walker, once again, becoming uh, kind of 21 jump streeting a criminal operation and going in undercover to try to upend it with the help of the police. Um, that seemed like kind of an interesting concept, except the problem is the relationship between Brian and Rome <laughs> is like two gay guys slap boxing each other for two hours. Um Anytime they they physically fought each other probably eleven times in this movie, and every single time it was like two women slap boxing. It was absurd. Their their relationship so was so adolescent, and the things they said to each other were so embarrassing. And oh uh, my god, I have a note that just says, "Do any other policemen exist in these movies?" <laughs> it's just like the same four guys like doing these stings. Ugh. Ugh. Man, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty damn good. Um, you, <laughs> you, you made um reference to um the way that they talk to each other while they're racing. Um, and this movie, much more than the first one, had about 170 lines of dialogue of characters who were driving at 120 miles an hour, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you think that's good, bro?" Like yelling to the to, to the <laughs> yeah. driver next, or to just talking to themselves, or dude. just talking to themselves. It's literally that power. Paul Walker movie would be shit. like, Paul Walker would be like driving 120 miles an hour and be like, "Ha ha, got you now, bro." Yeah. <laughs> This is now somehow going to be the third time I've had to reference that it's like the Power Rangers movie where we're, they're in the middle of fighting these mutants and they're just like, have a nice trip, see you next fall. Like, as they're like karate kicking that fucking villains. That is a villains. classic line. Though. Yeah. There's nothing I know, but nearly is, as good. They're driving 120 miles together and be like, right. I'll show you, like, that's what you thought, bitch. Like, 
Check this out, bro. Yeah, they're, like, literally, they're literally... How about when Paul dr- Walker... They're drifting while commenting to themselves. How about when Paul Walker and Tyrese are doing something for their new boss that they're undercover for? They're going 100 fucking miles an hour on the highway. Paul Walker, just to show off, turns his car backwards in front of tar- Tyrese. <laughs> and they both have a contest with each other where they just keep giving each other the middle finger. Yeah. And Tyrese at one point... <laughs> this is alluding to their extremely homoerotic relationship. But Tyrese at one point gives him the finger and then takes his middle finger when he's in the bird... And swirls it around yeah, in circles yeah. and smiles and licks his lips. Yeah. <laughs> so not only we're at 120 miles yeah. an hour car but he's chase, like, but when we get back, I'm about to finger that ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get in there, <laughs> dude. Oh god, their relationship, dude. Like Paul Walker's. We talked about his West Coast shopper shirt, but we need to point out that it's like it's oversized. It's like two sizes too big. Oh, he's dressed like a cholo. He's, <laughs> Dude, he's dressed absurd. He's dressed like me in two thousand two when right. all I was playing was fucking MX two thousand two on PS two. Convinced that I was gonna be a fucking professional dirt biker he at was some like, point. He was like dressed like somebody who wanted to see Fast and Furious too. Right. Right. Exactly. When he like, should have been wearing something cool. He should have, have been wearing UFO pants. To. Yeah. Like, yeah. That would have been sick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like this movie is the movie version of a tall can of surge. Um, um, <laughs> I uh, once again, there's a plot line where Brian falls in love with the wrong girl. Right. Uh, in this movie, as one does. Um, and classic that, Brian. That led me to ask, like, why does Brian feel the need to fall in love with the worst girl possible that will blow his cover and potentially ruin his life in both of these movies? One right. Or his life's already been ruined from having done so. I know, and he literally has not learned a single thing. Um, I have a, I have a note here that says one of the greatest moments between a man and woman I've ever seen put to screen is when Tyrese looks passionately into Eva Mendez's eyes and says gently but with a firm intensity, "I got a piss." <laughs> that line i love that line what was that what was that line Dude, they're like close to each other's face locked eyes he's just like i gotta piss i mean there's so many things in this movie i want to talk about i i don't even know where to like the the car that the police make for roman and uh tyrese right. to drive the tricked out cars that somehow this police undercover sting operation is able to produce the license plate on Tyrese's car is hater <laughs> H8 like the number 8 T-E-R like yeah. why yeah how and it should why? have been H8ER because the 8 already exactly, <laughs> exactly. that wasn't that even up. correct <laughs> they need they need to get one of those consultants for early 2000 culture I'm um, throwing my head into the ring uh, what we're kind of neglecting here is that there's this whole plot um with the bad guy now here i gotta bring this up because this is this is the scene ladies and gentlemen that jumped out of both of these movies and just fucking blew my doors off like i (laughs) i was like honestly what am i watching right now like um so just to set it up for you fast and furious 2 they're infiltrating this bad guy who's like very stock generic rich bad guy with a hot girl who wants to get out of the crime syndicate type of scenario it's been done a fucking trillion times um and uh that bad guy has cops under his thumb one of the cops under his thumb uh a dirty cop big big fat guy who also coincidentally is in batman begins as a crooked cop same exact character. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> what is a specific typecast? I want to say that these movies take place in the same universe, but that's just a grab. Uh, 
Christian Bale was in this one, then it would be a full yeah. Batman Begins thing. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, okay, so there's a scene in this movie, this PG-13 movie. It's very bloodless. Both these movies are practically bloodless. The bad guy in the second one doesn't even die. Almost no one dies in the first and second movie, just one or two people, even though we're talking the most dangerous car driving. Right. Mixed. Not only is the car driving dangerous on its own, but it's mixed with crime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Half of these car chases take place with hundreds of cops following right, them. Right. No one dies in these yeah. movies. Like, why but, did they bother to make a movie of the game Need for Speed when they already had this movie? Exactly. This is the game Need for Speed, right. which is way better. And than it me. looks like it. Yeah. And, by the way, that game is better than either yeah. of these movies. Uh, um, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 is a goddamn <sighs> classic. Really um, you know? So, um, there is a scene where the bad guy in this movie is trying to interrogate at his yeah. nightclub that he owns yeah. interrogate a cop on his payroll who he needs to now here's the thing this is this is a here's scene a out of a way better movie and I, but uh, dude it makes no sense being in the movie at all I mean, <laughs> so so here's the deal there are many movies where a bad crime lord has to interrogate one of his underlings in some bad way right usually that underling is done something bad right <laughs> he's usually perpetrated a crime yeah, he's usually snitched of, yeah this character was a cop that was working for um, this guy. Probably would have done anything for him for money. Yeah. Um, and all the bad guy wants is 15 minutes of free time from this police uh, guarding him every day. Basically, this bad guy has a police tail that follows his house, is all around his property. All he's doing is asking the head of this task force, who's already a crooked cop, right. who's already under his thumb, to... Give them 15 minutes of free time to, to do a crime. Right. He wants to tell the, like, day shift. <laughs> but whoever wrote this movie... The night whoever wrote this movie confused that stereotype <laughs> with a cliche of torture scenes in movies right. where someone's done something wrong because... They're at the nightclub, and and this guy's partying. It's it not it's not to punish or extract information. Right. It's to motivate. To motivate. <laughs> you don't torture someone to motivate. That's not how torture works. Like torture. Like if you were to torture someone in the way this they torture this man, which is harrowing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Y you would not get results. That person is then deeply damaged from what happened to them. Now I want to put this in no uncertain terms or exaggerations. This is what fucking happens. Okay. <laughs> Brian and Tyrese Gibson, who are basically like PG thirteen clowns. Yeah. They're they're like high schoolers. Basically, they are like the Mountain Dew version of Riggs and fucking <laughs> right. face from uh, Lethal Weapon. Exactly. Um. They're brought into the back room of this villain's nightclub, and he goes, yeah, you know, you want to see what I do? Murdoch. He's like, That's what I'm looking for, Murdoch. Yeah. He's like, you want to see what I do to people? And, like, in a normal movie, again, this would be like, you see what I, this is what I would do to a snitch. Yeah. But that's not at all what this guy is <laughs> yeah. doing. So they cut to the fat, scummy cop who's hooking up with this hot blonde chick. And they insinuate that this is how far this goes, right? There's so many elements to this <laughs> that need to be talked about. So this insinuates that the villain... Um, sent this big-breasted woman to this cop to entice him to come to the back room of the club. Right. Which, why did we need to do that at all? Right. It's he his could have, club. could have easily come to the cop and said, I need to talk to you right now in yeah. the back. He's on his payroll. Instead, he confuses this guy into thinking that he's going to get laid, right? Yeah. They bring him to the back room. He's getting all, like, handsy with the blonde. The blonde immediately goes, all right, bye, turns around and walks away, yeah. leaves him stranded. The villain is there. The villain... And his cronies 
hold this man to the ground. They strip his shirt off, right? And they don't even tell him, look, we need 15 minutes. <laughs> right. They don't even offer anything to him. They just launch into this... Di- the villain just launches into this diatribe No, about- no, no, no. First, first he asks him while they're just talking, while everyone's still standing before the grim, they ask him, and he's like, you know it's not possible. Right, and- okay. So, like, okay. <laughs> he, made, he made one attempt. He made one <laughs> attempt, which, like, okay... <laughs> But, but but to say that he was going to make one attempt but also had his friend bring a rat from home into the nightclub are two different things. Because all of a sudden, one of his henchmen appears with a gigantic rat behind yeah. him, right? Which and, and, and the questions I had about that, I mean, who brought the rat? How long has the rat been <laughs> yeah, in the it's nightclub? Been making no noise. Is the rat just been in this guy's hand yeah. while he's like, let me... Uh, hold on, sir. Can you hold the rat while I get a blonde woman to entice this fat cop just to get him to walk to the back of my club? It yeah. it makes no sense on so many levels. <laughs> okay, he puts the rat on the guy's bare stomach. He puts a bucket on top of it. Right. Then the henchman produces a blowtorch. Which, yeah. Again, now this henchman is carrying a rat and a blowtorch through this club. I uh, don't know how he got even to the back room himself. Yeah. Maybe he was enticed by a different blonde. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> he then um, explains to this guy... That as he heats the bucket, the rat will seek uh, a place that is not so hot and will do that through any means. A rat can apparently chew through a drain pipe. Yeah. And uh, then um, he starts to heat that bucket yeah. while Ava Mendez, who, side note, is so fucking smoking hot in this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ava Mendez, who's the girlfriend, who really is a good person. And by the end of the movie, you find out she's a fucking customs agent. Right. Holds his mouth closed. Right. With no, they cut to her face. Yeah. No expression. No, she, care. she is holding this man's mouth closed while a rat yeah. chews its way through, through his stomach. Fat stomach. Then the villain takes it to an as if this could not be more insidious, <laughs> right? This is already truly sick. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. this to be in this movie, I don't know how it made it into this movie. <laughs> it is a scene out of a hor- horrific not, film. Yeah, it's insane that this scene um, is in this movie. Then he takes it to an eleven. Yeah. I mean, first of all, no bad guy would even do this. This is already... If a bad guy is going to do this, he would not do it in front of Brian and Tyrese. He wouldn't do it in front of his girlfriend. Right. And he, he wouldn't do it at his public club where right behind one wall there are all these patrons. Right. He's... To the to the point where Ava Mendes has to cover his mouth because yeah. this rat is eating through his yeah. body. It's to show... It's to show how... How insidious and just like it's the only scene sociopathic this guy is. But within this one scene, they've given more context and more background than Brian gets for the entirety of the two movies. Right, right. I still don't know much about him. Literally, and Tyrese and Brian don't even care. They're just sitting there like, bruh. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's turned out Brian's parents were named Bruh and Cuz. Such a stupid movie. This movie. Um, then the villain takes it up to an eleven, as if the screenwriter was like, "This doesn't seem threatening enough." Honestly, um, he then goes, "If you don't give me my fifteen-minute window, I'm gonna bring this rat to your house and do this to your child and your <laughs> yeah. wife." Yeah, he and says he, that. he names them. Names them. He goes, "Your kid," like. And later in the he's movie, like, your wife Jennifer, your daughter Marissa, and your son Dave. Like, like he's gonna have that rat eat all of them yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't get this guy fifteen minutes. <laughs> Could not be stupid. And before that, before, be before that, he's going, dude. So the the rat is like freaking out. You hear it squealing, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry. 
It's not when he's squealing that you have to worry about. It's when he stops squealing that you're really in trouble. <laughs> and he's like, and then, and then the cop's like, all right, I'll do it. And he's like, he's like, I can't hear you. He's like, I'll do it. And he's like, I still don't trust you. And then the guy has like a fucking uh, like martyr's moment where he gets like glazed over look in his face and looks at him. It's like, ha, ha, ha. and he's just like. I'll get you the 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then later in the movie, just to curtail this this little segment about the rat, um, later in the movie, when it comes time for him to give the 15-minute window, um, they show the cop in his office who had gotten tortured, and he's trying to decide whether or not he'll allow this 15-minute window, and the camera pans as he looks over to a picture of his family, yeah. and you know that he's picturing the rat eating <laughs> yeah. his family. <laughs> And beyond that, if I were the editor of this movie, which, God, that would be such a blessed job, but if I were the editor of this movie, I would have added a little, like, like, little rat sound in the yeah. background with some yeah, echo. With, like, a ceiling fan going around. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> he was like, rat PS- PTSD, dude. What? Like, yeah. where did that uh, best scene in the movie? Um, and, uh, you know, some other notes I have basically are getting into that, that this movie is basically like a GTA cutscene. It's just like... I was going to say... Oh, you all, son of a bitch. All the characters... I was waiting for you to stop talking so I could make that exact joke. All the characters speak like they're on a GTA mission Dude, at all so times. that's so funny. Um, you fuck, I was literally about to say that. Uh, <laughs> for 20 minutes, Tyrese wears a full bandana under a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. Which seemed about as excessive as the movie itself. Yeah. Um, uh, Tej, who is uh, Chris Ludacris Bridges in this film, uh, who is god awful, his uh, and this I did like, and this is one of the things that even Vin Diesel was alluding to when he said something about it. But this movie had a very eighties party vibe. Yeah, um, there are eighties movies th- whose whole premise, like Porky's and things like that, are that somebody has this wild place where you can go and party and do whatever you want all day, and that that was like Tej's garage. Yeah, like, this movie had a definite. Miami Vice, throwback, yeah. 80s feel that the first movie did not have. Yeah. The first movie did not have those feelings. It's like car wash. I can't say that it was better as a result of having those things, but it was different. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I mean, it had some funny stuff. I just, you know. This uh, movie was just, it was it was not an action movie as much as it was a comedy. Can, was... I, can I bring up to you now my favorite part of uh, both of these movies? Okay. Um, my favorite element. We're talking about elements of these movies, you know, the the Millennium Falcon car driving and this and that. Yeah. The thing that is most prevalent in both of these movies, I call it flex walking. <laughs> um, every character has their own, uh, like, pimp swagger that they walk with um, to the point where there are, like, scenes where people should be legitimately rushing around, but they're not because yeah. they're, like, walking so cool. And, like, Tyrese and um, Paul Walker are fully flexing their muscles as they walk. Yeah. And they're all very boxy and, and muscular. Yeah. Uh, it's just very funny to watch everybody walk around. Yeah, in these it's supposed to and like then you so have rappers. Have, like, swagger. Yeah, and then you have rappers that really have, like, swag walks. Like, yeah. ja, like ja Rule and Ludacris. So they're limping around. It basically looks like a bunch of people with, like, ankle injuries yeah. the entire Dude. movie. Everybody's swag walking I remember at this time being a kid and like working walk, on your walking walk. at school being like you work on your G walk homie and I I remember every young Jew had I a G walk in the my, 90s <laughs> I remember my dad seeing me do that and be like don't you fucking do that <laughs> like that ain't for you he's like I'll show you how it's done <laughs> um uh, uh <laughs> you better swag walk your ass right to Hebrew school right now let's do it. <laughs> 
Uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie, like anything that came out of Tyrese Gibson's mouth was trash, and yeah. it was like <laughs> literally written by somebody with a like a brain deficiency. But um, one of my favorite things that Rome said, uh, he was talking about his boss, like how his boss is going to give them a good job. But the way he said it was, this guy's got an ass full of loot that he's ready to dump in our cars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who would speak like that? Yeah. It's, dude, it's 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 like how like they write parrot like Malibu's Most Wanted how it was like a super exaggerated way of making fun of slang. It's like how they seriously talk in this. What movie. about it? Just to ruin one final dramatic moment in this movie. What about the final scene in the movie where they oh, app- man, I hope you're- they apprehend the bad guy right, okay. and they put the bad guy. He's bleeding out. He got shot. He's sitting there and he's he's mean mugging. He's looking at Tyrese. And Paul Walker, like, when I get out of prison, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And they panned Tyrese, hopefully to say something insightful. Right. And he goes, don't drop the soap, big homie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> Why? Dude, I literally don't have a note for, like, the since the last time I talked, which was, like, 25 minutes in the movie. I don't have another note until the last, like, the climax scene mm-hmm. where the... It doesn't even matter. The plot of this movie is literally meaningless. Like, what happens at the end doesn't matter. It's a bunch of shit happens. There's cars and fucking... Oh, well, well, dude, by the way, best scene of both of these movies, the final scene when all of the cars come out and there's a, a several hundred car practical, it's not CG, Yeah. at the end of the movie where they all come... Dude, that was amazing. The shots, the five minutes when at the end of the movie, basically to confuse the police out yeah. of chasing Brian... Uh, Chris Ludacris Bridges and all of his homies all come rolling out in cars. They had, I swear to God, two probably two three hundred cars on screen, yeah. and it was mayhem. Yeah. And honestly, I was like, why can't these movies be more of right, this? Right. Because this is amazing to look at. Yeah. I mean, once you like you said, it's a CGI cartoon. Otherwise, the movie starts with. A, a race that literally is a CGI cartoon yeah. is like embarrassing. It looked like Speed Racer of the movie, but then you have like. 500 fucking practical cars on screen at the same time yeah. driving around and I, I'm not gonna lie I went 6 to midnight on that scene I was, <laughs> yeah. like, I was like this is kinda cool actually yeah. this is a better finale than, the, than yeah. the last one well so that leads to my favorite moment in the movie where they pull off their whole spiel or whatever and uh, there's police sirens all over the place like they're they're about to get caught so the fucking they all park up their car in their, their isolated spot but they know the cops are coming and you hear the sirens that's why they stop they get out of the car. The sirens are getting louder. Sirens are getting louder. You know, like, impending police presence. And that's, like, an issue. And and Paul Walker, he just stands there and he looks at Tyrese and he goes, Cops. And then they're like, oh, shit. And then they, like, roll out of there. But by that point, they had been standing out of the car listening to the police Not for, like, that. ten fucking seconds. Not they stopped that, the car like because... helicopter yeah, noises. Yeah. There's, like, you can hear, like, literally SWAT trucks coming yeah. in. It's not just sirens. Right. It's, like, a cavalcade. And he's just, like, cops. As if anyone could be mistaken whether the he's police like, siren they've been listening cop. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, For the last, on screen, 25 seconds. Like, <laughs> it's mayhem everywhere. Like, as if, as if even if they didn't hear it, as if there was any chance they would have executed what they just did on a public road and there wouldn't be cops coming towards them. Um... The final thing that I found interesting about this movie, maybe the only thing I found interesting about this movie, is that they did some retroactive um, rewriting of what happened at the end of the first movie, which I love it when sequels do that because never has it ever worked to do revisionist history on the movie that came before it. So the last movie ends with Paul Walker letting Dom go, which you said in the last review is kind of like, 
oh, they understand each other, they had a good relationship. No, not true. That's not why he did it. In this movie, they literally say 100% definitively that that's not why he did it. And it's it's so stupid. They're like, first of all, I don't know if they had the rights to Vin Diesel's character. They could not mention him by name. Yeah. But Paul Walker is asked by Tyrese Gibson at one point, is that what happened to the guy, Vin Diesel, in Hollywood? Or in California. I don't remember what he said. And Paul Walker said, yes, exactly. And basically what it boiled down to was that him and Rome had this tumultuous relationship. Rome ended up going to prison for many years while Paul Walker became a cop and did his own thing. Uh, He's always very, he's always felt very bad about that guilt wise and felt like Rome shouldn't have gone away and shouldn't have had to do that time. And while he was out, had survivor's guilt over it and said essentially that that is what happened at the end of the first one that he thought of the situation with Rome and that was enough for him to let Vin Diesel go. Yeah, but it's because he like grew to like respect him and care about him as a character. I, I guess so, but like they were trying really hard to like jam in a puzzle piece that was never meant to be in the puzzle. Yeah, right. And it was just embarrassing yeah. because A, Rome is the stupidest fucking character on earth. <laughs> He's a clown. Yeah. If you put a red nose on him, or if you CGI replaced Rome with Jar Jar Binks for the entirety of the movie, be identical. Dude, I really want to take... He was so, so Just bad. the tone of this movie, if you changed the music... Which, by the way, there's zero new metal in this movie. It's it not, is all the soundtrack early 2000s, like, shit hip-hop. And also, like, like uh, made on a keyboard yeah, synth, like synth pop orchestral shit, like, rock yeah it's just crap dude so if you replace these movies kind of remind me of like both of mission impossible 2 kind of yeah like where it's just like new like just the music it's just like you're dating yourself you know that yeah. someone's gonna watch this on a bad movie podcast 10 years from now and be right. like what choices were you making but for me ff1 the choices were so funny that yeah, that yeah. I was like, I'm in, like yeah. hilarious. Like, I feel just like I really want someone to take the music out of this movie and like do all of the race or like just car action action scenes and replace it with the music from Mario Kart. And I really <laughs> truly feel like it'll work. Like you know when the Mario Kart race ends and they show like it's like a cinematic version, like various camera angles of the right race as it happens. Like you'll see like a shot from like off the side of the road. If they did that. Which because that's what this movie looks like when the car scenes are happening, but the CGI is so fucking stupid and all the colors are just so fucking egregious. It's like the most multicolored movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, they shot for the stars on this one, dude. And one thing I want to say is that I thought that there was going to be a significant drop in production value between one and two, and that really was not the case. If anything, there's as much or more money on screen this time around than in the first one. So I thought the first one had more practical effects. Not a lot, dude. You should see some of the races in the first one are like straight up cartoons. Really? Yeah. Embarrassing. Maybe. The car stuff in Fast and Furious 2 and the cars themselves were far better in, really? two, in 2 than 1. Absolutely. Oh, no. 2 is like aliens to alien in terms of car ridiculousness. <laughs> in 1, it's ridiculous that they have Nas. They keep making a huge deal of it. Yeah. Like, oh, you have Nas? In 2, Nas is old fucking news, bro. Yeah. There's like... 
crazy shit yeah. into. Like a GPS inside of the car. Yeah. Crazy. That wasn't in the first yeah. one. In the first one, they're like looking up directions. It was so funny. They like literally, they were like showing all of the crazy different technology in each person's car. And then they got to the one female character's car and they like focus on like her Garmin because like at the time it was so fucking just like advanced and crazy for her to have had a garden Garmin. And you're like, oh shit, she must mean business. Anytime also, where... Also, that, that female racer is like the most ridiculous token character I've ever seen in my life. The Asian one. They were like, Definitely they were like, how could, they were like, we can't have a street racing movie without Asians. Let's just knock it out and knock out the woman character at the same time. She, who's um, like got sassy one-liners and just absurd. She did not have a driver's license or had ever driven a car when they started the movie. It's one of the facts I read about it online. It's funny. That is funny. Um, so that's why that's what she thinks driving is like, where you're driving around and you just go slap that ass, bitch. <laughs> She's like, they're like, okay, say what you would say if you were driving. She's yeah. like, I've never driven. Before. It was an improv session. <laughs> they're like, what would you say if you were flying through the air in a car which you've never driven before? <laughs> yeah, slap that ass, bitch. They're like, okay, print it. Yeah. Like, like I said to you over a text, like uh, the the entirety of this movie, especially number two was a one-take operation. Yeah. They opened up their iris on their cameras. They said, okay, Tyrese, say it. And he was like, what's up, cuz? Yeah. And they were like, got it. Yeah. Print. They were literally Next. like, the first one was surprisingly successful, and they were like, fuck, we gotta make one as soon as possible. How fast can we make this yeah. movie? They're too like, fast. They're like, oh. Too furiously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, Vin's off making triple X. Yeah. They're like, we gotta press on. Yeah. They Obviously, were like, they were Vin, like Vin wants $26 million. This movie, we're gonna spend like, Half of that making cartoon cars. <laughs> I guess we're going like, to have to go with Tyrese. Like, why make a movie about cars if half of them are going to be CGI cartoons? I, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's such a waste. Like, I had one note that was basically, like, I now I feel like I need to go back and watch all the early 2000s action movies that in my head are good movies to see if they all look like this shit so much. Like, like what? Like, I was thinking, like, I the, the Transporter, the like, The Italian Job, like... No good. They all look like this. I mean, nothing looks like I remember this. the transporters, car scenes being fucking, or like, uh, gone in 60 seconds. You need to be careful all the things you're listing right now. <laughs> gone in 60 seconds, Angelina Jolie is blonde and has, like, fucking braids. Yeah, I don't, I didn't like her look in that one. Yeah. That wasn't one of her best. Um, do they all look like this? Because this looks like shit. Um, some of them. Nice. We'll probably find out on this podcast, I'm sure, yeah. in terms of some of these. Um, I, I just feel like, dude... I know initially I said we should do a movie from each movie of, like, the 2000s, but now I just feel like we should just, next season, limit it to anything that came out between 2000 and 2003. Is like, <laughs> because... It's like every bad dude, movie. so many... <laughs> ever like, made. I was just looking, I was like, what if, like, you know, right now we, we live in this time where we look as like at, like, the 80s as, like, this really goofy fucking... Goofy fucking decade. People watch, like, Saved by the Bell as, like, a fucking retro thing. And, like, look how they're dressed. It's so fucking goofy. And, like, people think about the 70s and bell bottoms and disco. I'm like, oh, so fucking wacky. Oh, my God, the 2000s and then, are like, wackier than No one really... The 2000s... I feel like we're finally getting, like, away from the recency of the 2000s. Where, like, I watched this movie and was shook to my core. <coughs> Why do you think I just bought that thing over there? That dr- Yeah. Hey, you got a Dreamcast. Yeah, because, because that is the period of time I'm going for, dude. Where, where, did, where did you get that? On eBay. Nice. How much you pay? Uh, I was, like... 50 bucks? Yeah, that's bucks. like what I paid for mine. Um, and I have one as well. We can fucking set up a server and play Fantasy Star Online. That'd be wild. Wild. <laughs> but like, I bought that thing because that is my new nostalgia. My new nostalgia. And if you... I There's this guy, the Nostalgia Critic Online, who does stuff, who talks 
what the wheel of nostalgia, how many years that is or something. And I think the wheel is like hitting on the early 2000s right now. Yeah. And like Jay and Silent Bob reboot, like that's a perfect example of like, that's the period of time that people are currently nostalgic. For. Yeah. The people who go out and spend money on movies and things like that. The 80s thing, we just ripped that to fucking death, you know, yeah. with all the Stranger Things crap. And I think 90s has been pretty significantly covered by a few things, but 90s is a little harder to tap into. Um, yeah. Most of the things that have been correctly done about the 90s are grungy, like yeah. 90s kid, that Joe yeah. Hill movie. and Slacker. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Shit like so, that. Um, yeah, I want to say that the early 2000s are coming back, Dude, and I'm glad. There's, like, one movie. I, I, on my shelf over here, seriously, you just have to go to the bottom row of all my DVDs, <laughs> and it's all uh, early 2000s stuff. I mean, Van Wilder is over there. I just Strangers watched Van Wilder Candy, a few weeks ago. Kids. I have a buddy who was in an episode of Strangers with Candy. I love Strangers with um, Candy. There's, like, I brought this up sporadically over the course of this season privately, but, like, next season there's only one movie that I, like, am, like, adamant that we do oh what's that i want to watch grind the skateboarding movie from like 2002 i'll do grind i know what you're gonna say next and it's a, i think it's a no but grind. no that was the only one i want to say oh grind yeah i would do because that. i've I never want, seen grind really no so i've seen grind like Wait, who's in grind um adam brody tom no. green yeah, bam no. margera i have not seen it fucking I would love to watch that. the uh the blonde dude from cabin fever let's let's do that in in the seat as the sequel to probably dude, like one of these episodes dude <laughs> i've seen grind like 40 times probably that's unfortunate i own it i'll lend you it oh okay we're that that you should bring it in for when you start your dvd collection here <laughs> dude Grind is such a fucking batshit insane movie. Like, you want to talk about, like, an encapsulation of a time period when I, like, make me realize that the span between the year 2000 and 2004 will never happen again. Like, what the fuck was our, like, Monster Truck was, like, the biggest sport for a while. Like... Great times. Dude, it was fucking bonkers. Grind. Johnny Tsunami. Were you a big Johnny Tsunami fan? No. Do you like those Disney Channel early 2000 Johns? Um... Johnny Tsunami, um, fuck. I like Brink, Brink. Yeah, I like That's Brink. basically the grind. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then there that was... That could be like a back-to-back feature. The, Brink was the rollerblading <laughs> one. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was like starting to get out of Disney Channel when that all started happening. I, I like just the movies I would check in on. Yeah. Um, okay, what would be your rating for FF2... 2F2... Yeah. <laughs> Too Fast, Jew Furious... I, uh, dude, I don't know how to rate a movie like this because, like, as, well, a, as a movie... We gave the first one, like, sixes, sevens yeah. at the most. So, as a movie, like, in the scheme of movies, I give it, like, a zero out of ten. Like, it's so fucking solid, horrible. Solid. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. But, but like, Biodome's one of my favorite movies, and it's a terrible movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't believe I like this movie, but I think it's hilarious. And, like, this... I didn't, I wasn't, like, pissed off the way I was when I watched, like, Pet Cemetery or Yoga Hosers, where I was just, like, insulted Definitely by it. Definitely was not. This was, like, it was, it was, I was like, enjoying myself. this was, like, when you were in, like, in college and, like, the dumbest, like, most, like, junky kid in the class was forced to do a presentation and would go up there and, like, you could tell he, like, actually tried a little bit and he's just fucking every single thing that he's trying to say is just failing, mm-hmm. just, like, dropping, and I was just, like... I was just flabbergasted at how seriously this movie took itself while it was just, like, absurd every step of the way. And I was, like, laughing out loud multiple times. Like, my experience of watching this movie, like, was very, far I just higher. I let everybody know, very few times on the Movie Blues podcast 
does Dan text me and say, hey, I'm enjoying this movie. So that's how I knew. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I knew it wasn't so bad for you. Yeah. I, like, I was, I, you were like, oh, this is kind of working. You're like, like, this may actually work for an episode. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm fucking loving this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it's bad. My, my enjoyment of it didn't come from the movie itself. It just came from like, a place of nostalgia and just like bewilderment and just like bewilderment. Yeah, I combined bewilderment and wonder. What was the one I had earlier? It was like something email related. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I lost it. It's fine. We'll edit that out for time. Yeah, good. Um, I just like I I would probably watch it again. Like it's we've talked before about how I'll definitely not watch it. We we dude, we've One talked before about how I don't get But I am thing. I am excited for more. Well, these movies left me wanting <laughs> more of the characters because here's the thing, I know that from here these movies are going to get more ridiculous. Yeah. From what all accounts that I've heard, I mean, I saw a clip from Fast 9 or 8 or whatever where Vin Diesel jumps off a car flying off a bridge. <laughs> and I, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Soars 250 feet through the air. <laughs> and and I want... And I, if I got that much entertainment out of these early entries, I'm, I'm going to be a fucking pig and shit yeah, when I mean, we get to these other ones. We, we've talked before about I don't how think we need to do Tokyo Drift. We're going to skip good. Tokyo Drift. I'm going to like read about that on Wikipedia. Okay. But let's pick up... Right, you know what's after that? What, three, I don't know. Three, I don't know. Three but fast, we, we could three pick three up where, where Paul Walker rejoins the proceedings. Yeah, I want to um, see Paul Walker all the way up through like his digital death replacement. Yeah, yeah. and then Hobbs and Shaw is a must. Yeah, definitely. That's I just must. I don't usually like movies that like in a oh they're so bad they're good type way. Like we've talked about that before. Whereas this was just atrocious, but I was just loving it the whole time because I couldn't believe how fucking absurd it was that like. Fast and Furious, I remember. It was like a thing. It was like an, like, like an iconic movie that summer. Like, it was fucking huge. This was and literally this was just, exactly what I thought it was This was be. just the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> Both of these movies were entirely why I've never seen them. I thought yeah. that they were going to be exactly... When I was younger and Fast and Furious came out, I was like, that is a movie with not a drop of blood, all new metal, no sex... <laughs> No sex, no nudity, and the emphasis is going to be on men staring at each other, flexing and driving fast. <laughs> That's why I never watched it. And now I think it's fucking hilarious. Um, but to say that these movies are worth anything to me is not... It doesn't matter. What matters is that I fucking had a great time watching them. Yeah. And they're only going to get sillier from here. And I can't wait to watch them with you because I don't think you've seen all the later ones either, right? No, I've definitely seen Tokyo Drift, but I haven't seen any other ones. Dude, then we're in for... A wild ride because I saw, I'm like, I'm telling you, I saw a few minutes of one of them, like 10 minutes or so, yeah. and was like, I need to get to this point. And then I went on that ride at Universal and I was like, if it's anything like this, even one fifth like this, I'm missing something great. Should so we, should we we're going to get there. like a live commentary to one? We should because there's so many of them that one of them should be a live commentary. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah. we should sit and watch one. So yeah. we'll do that. Right. And with that, I want to just bring it to one final little chat, two right. seconds long, about just. Um, what we're doing next season, which is going to start very soon. And next season, we're going to do fun, random, sporadic episodes. We're still going to do stuff like um, Dan on Dan Crime and stuff like new movies that come out, such as Star Wars and all the big tent poles. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which is like going to come out next week. No, well, it comes it, out, it comes, it comes out It'll next week. It'll be online like next week. It comes out next week in theaters, but I'm not seeing it till right, they come to Philly, which November. is next month. Um, but uh, we're going to have big movies like that. We're also going to do sequels 
in some cases to episodes that we have done before because next season season two all about sequels baby not sequels themselves but we will be doing sequel episodes such as um another james bond movie to start out the season next season next season is going to start with live and let dan yeah which dan Enden is fucking jazzed about yeah <laughs> it's not gonna be as good as the movie we just watched that's for sure no it looks I like just it's gonna be watch more, more not horrible fast movies and furious movies next season so many movies I thought we're going to be okay, and then we're just like Detective Pikachu. Well, look, man, that was a, a, an, an item of circumstance. Yeah. Because we went into certain things earnestly, and it just shook out, shook out that way. Yeah, it shook out that I way. I liked Crawl. But um, thanks for everybody for sticking through with all of us. If you're still listening to this episode at this point, you've made it on a great journey with us. Yeah. Uh, season one is wrapping up, and we're going to come back strong for season two. Maybe some new segments some new music some yeah. new gags yeah some new zany guests z wall uh yeah some new guests would be fantastic maybe we'll have a, a returning some guest from guests. last season some literally if old she guests continues to live by that <laughs> she's alive by the time we get to frogs <laughs> and on that sorry note, joan <laughs> <laughs> on that note we'll see you uh next season baby baby